Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. You watch Action Sports Jacks on CBS 47 and Fox 30. Now Action Sports Jacks is on your radio. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anna Jar and Levine Studios. Here's your host, Brent Martineau. The Orlando Magic punching their playoff ticket? We shall see. I think this is going to be the second day in a row we're talking about the Orlando Magic here on ESPN 690. Breaking records. Breaking records on a Wednesday. I was going to talk about the Florida Pro Day a little bit. Going to get into the NFL rule changes as well. Uh, what else we got today? We got a, a special guest coming by, Jake Ryan. Um, not the guy from 16 Candles, which I guess he's been getting a lot of uh, publicity on Twitter and whatnot. I've never seen 16 Candles. I think it's called 16 Candles. I don't even know about that. We got Jake Ryan stopping by. Then we also got the driver and the creator of uh, probably the baddest monster truck of all time. It's going to be a big deal for me. We got Gravedigger uh, going to hop on the phone a little bit and get into it. But uh, I think we should start out with, obviously, the Florida Pro Day. Um, Brent and those guys kind of visited a little bit from Twitter and via social media. It looks like it wasn't too exciting for the fact that from the sidelines you couldn't really see much. Brent, what would you see today at the Pro Day, man? Well, listen, uh, what makes a good right tackle is probably the best question of the day because Jawan Taylor, he is a monster of a man. 315 pounds, guy that really got himself in shape. And you'll hear from C.C. Jefferson. You, you want a guy that will really pump up some Florida Gators. C.C. Jefferson from Baker County. He, too, trying to make it to the NFL. But I think he'll be really good as an analyst because <laughs> he was great on Ja'Kai Polite, and he was great on Jawan Taylor. And he just talked about what a specimen he is. So hard to get excited about an offensive lineman, but I left Gainesville a little bit excited about a guy like Jawan Taylor, who a lot of people think could go to the Jacksonville Jaguars if they go offensive lineman. Jonah Williams, another one from Alabama, could be in the mix. But what makes a good right tackle or left tackle? But it's a different position, so right tackle in your opinion. It is. So a right tackle, to me, a right tackle is more about mentality than anything. You know, when you're talking about a left tackle, you're talking about the best athlete on, on, on the offensive line. Now, granted, that's changed, you know, in the last couple of years where you have to be an athlete anyway, don't get me wrong. But traditionally, I mean, especially the guys I've gone against, you know, like your Joe Thomases, uh, Ruse from uh, Tennessee, back in the day a little bit. Uh, traditionally, those guys are great left tackles because of their fast feet, their athletic. The right tackle, um, those guys are a little more of like, I guess you would call maulers. You know, they, they may not have the best feet, um, and they always had that mentality they're trying to run through you, as opposed to left tackle, who made them, you know, that, that mentality as well. But I was compared to, listen, when the Jacksonville Jaguars were in need of tackles, they drafted two of them right away. Uh, this would have been, I think, in 2000 and if I'm not mistaken, eight or nine, when they got Evan Britton and e Eugene Monroe. And those are two classic examples of right tackle, left tackle. E Eugene Monroe was like the athletic dude, you know yeah. what I mean? He could do these amazing things. ballerina. Basically, absolutely, yeah. I mean, and he had, 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 like, had the physique of a bodybuilder, yeah. you know what I mean? He, he was cut. And then Evan Britton, nothing against Evan Britton at all because he was a great athlete as well, but he had more of that mean streak, more of that mentality. So when you're talking right tackle, you're talking about a guy who's going to basically – hit you in the face and 
put your, you know what, in the dirt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the right tackle. Well, it's a good, you know what, it, it, when you describe it like the way you described it, it kind of reminds us of what we're talking about with the tight end spot, right? The tight end spot is you go get TJ Hawkinson who can block and catch passes, or you go get a Noah Fant type who looks to be just more of a pass catcher, playmaker kind of guy. Well, I would equate the left tackle in that scenario more to the, the pass catching guy because you really need to protect the blind side of most quarterbacks who are right-handed and you want them to be able to pass protect you don't think about the run game now you'd love them to be big and that's what would make tony baselli so great is he was also nasty and, and had yeah. that right tackle mentality if you will yeah. or that guard mentality to go along with the athleticism that it takes to play that position at the left side and handle the great pass rushers in the nfl and then the the, the tight end kind of guy that we say pass and block does feel like the right tackle more so and and that's the guy that you want to make sure you can get the ground game behind on the right side yeah. and then you do need him to pass protect and it's become more prevalent over the last few years to be able to pass protect that right tackle I think has increased in value over the last few has. years in the NFL. Uh, a big reason why it's increased in value and it's funny I was at the YMCA two days ago and a guy comes up to me he's like man really Juwan Taylor you know at the seventh pick for a right tackle and we have to stop putting the right tackle, you know, like, oh, it's too high for right tackle. Listen, if you watch any great pass rushing teams now, I mean, a prime example would be J.J. Watt. Watch where J.J. Watt lines up in the game because now with defenses, um, you know, the best pass rusher, they have the liberty to kind of go wherever they want. So J.J. Watt, when he was really, you know, in his prime, when he was really moving, he would line up on the right tackle a lot because why? The right tackle is usually... Um, for, from a pass pro you know, perspective, from a pass setting perspective, is a little weaker than the left tackle. So predominantly, teams will put their best pass rusher on the weakest you know, pass setter, and that's predominantly the right tackle. So from, from that, if Juwan Taylor is going to be the guy, then so be it. I mean, if you see potential in Juwan Taylor at number seven, then, then by all means. But don't say, well, he's a right tackle. We shouldn't take him at, at number seven because he's a right tackle. No, because nowadays, I mean, you have to have just as good as a right tackle in run blocking and pass setting as you as a left tackle. Well, just think, the way it is. Just think about it from a Jack's perspective, just to piggyback on your point a little bit. You want to be able to stop Yannick Ngakwe, but you better be able to stop Calais Campbell, too. Yes. And Calais Campbell's been a monster the last couple of years. So to your point, Jadavion Clowney and J.J. Watt. Everybody, the other part of that is most teams want to have four good pass, pass rushers or a line that has eight players in a rotation. The elite teams, the Denvers of the last few years or of their championship years, the Seattles when they were good, Jacksonville a couple of years ago especially, but even last year, they had six, seven, eight guys they could rotate in, keep fresh, and they keep coming at you, keep coming at you. That's why I think, and of course, we're a pass-happy NFL now, so that to go along with it means you need a good right tackle. By the way, this is a guy, Jawan Taylor, I'm serious, like, like he, you would describe, put him on Twitter as a good-looking big man. I mean, he well, is. You know, you think offensive tackle, and sometimes you think sloppy big guy. You know, a guy that just loves to sit at the buffet table and eat. Mm -hmm. Well, this guy used to be like that. He came into Florida at like 380 pounds or something. He was his freshman year. Well, he's lost a ton of the weight. Obviously, his strength. He 24 reps on the on 225. That's good. And the guy, they'll tell you, he's got a six-pack, man. He's a 315-pound guy with a six-pack. That's the only other guy that you, you really equate that to is like an Aaron Donald, mm -hmm. who looks like you shouldn't look like that as a defensive lineman, right? You, you shouldn't no, look like that as a linebacker. Without a doubt. Well, Jawan Taylor has a little bit of that in it. That being said, I've, I've said this for years and years. I have no idea. I joked with somebody. 
I said, I'm scouting today, and I'm going to look at the hip movement of Jawan Taylor. You know, it's like, <laughs> what the hell? I, we don't know what makes a good right tackle. We know he's big, he's mean, he's nasty. I get it. But you really have to rely on the coaches, Doug Marone, the scouts, Caldwell Coughlin, guys that know the game so much and see it to say, is this guy elite? We all, from a general principle, and you can claim like you do, and I don't believe you one bit, know what a good right tackle, right guard is. Those guys in the trenches know what it is. We, from a casual outside standpoint, again, you've been in the trenches, so you are different. But me... I can't tell you how good Jawan Taylor is. I don't know if he's better than Jonah Williams. I'm just telling you, he looks the part. So here's the thing with Jawan Taylor that I want to touch on a little bit. So the most important part, obviously, is the film. What do you see on film? Well, and granted, I didn't watch a lot of Florida Gator games this year, but I have a lot of friends here that are diehard Gator fans, and I, I didn't hear him really mention Jawan Taylor one time. Now, don't get me wrong. He's he's a tackle, all right? It's not the sexiest position to be watching. Well, it's almost a, ben, it's almost a compliment if you're not mentioning yeah. him. That's a good point. But, like, even in the preseason, I feel like people were talking about Martez Ivy a lot yeah, more than Juwan Taylor. That's how all my friends say. Like, yeah, you know, our offensive line's going to be okay. We got Martez Ivy coming back. He's going to be the anchor and everything. No one was mentioning Juwan Taylor. So from that perspective, that tells me that he had a really good year this past year. You know, I mean, and before that, didn't really show up on film that much. So it makes me wonder, is this a guy... And granted, I haven't watched a lot of film on Juwan Taylor. Is this a guy where it's more of they see the potential, they see his size, they see his frame, um, he, he has all the intangibles and whatnot? Or is this a guy where they've seen the film, he's already a game wrecker, everyone is already talking about him? Because I feel like it's the latter, where it's like maybe... They see a lot of more potential in them than they actually do what they've seen on film so far in, in a year. Well, and that's a little bit of the draft in itself, yeah. first of all. But but to your point, I think a couple of things happened. And talking to him today, learning a little bit more about him and, and hearing him explain it, I think, one, let's just be let's, let's just get it out there. You don't make 315-pound men with six-packs, you know? <laughs> so when you, when you need a 315-pound guy who's strong and, and agile, too, well... You're already shrinking the field of how many guys can do that. On top of it, it sounds like he's a guy that's self-made, or they helped make him at, at, at Florida. If he comes in 380 pounds and now he's 315 and he's chiseled, well, then the guy's done a lot of work on his body, and the guy's committed to the craft. That's a good sign as well. The other thing I like about him this year, well, I like two other things. He's played a ton of football. He played every game his freshman year, every game his sophomore year. He actually played a little left tackle for a couple of games his sophomore year, and he played every game this year. They only allowed 20 sacks uh, or 18 sacks, I think, this, this season. At Florida, the entire offensive line played well. He was one of the anchors of that offensive line. I love the experience. The guy has played. So you can look at a lot of film, and if you really dig into his film and go from freshman year to junior year, you'll probably see quite a bit of improvement. The last part of it is I give you Josh Allen from Kentucky and Brian Burns from Florida State. And I give you those two guys because I say they're probably going to be top 15 picks in this year's NFL draft. They're elite pass rushers from the college level. Yeah. He's played against both of them and held his own. You, you can look at that tape to see what does it look like against potentially an elite pass rusher in college football, but it going into the NFL too, top 15 picks. So I love the fact that they can break down all this good tape on Jawan Taylor. But that would probably be the answer. Has he come out of nowhere? Probably not because these guys don't get on our radar until we start seeing mock drafts, quite frankly. But I do think he took a big step over the last 12 to 18 months. And let me ask you this. I mean, it seems like you're putting a lot of stake on the fact this guy's got like a six-pack or whatever like that. Because we're talking about, you know, the, 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 the dude from Ole Miss, the receiver, 
And, you know, yeah. we saw his pictures and whatnot, and that kind of got a little overblown. I mean, listen, one of the greatest left tackles I ever played against was Joe Thomas. Joe Thomas was by no means a bodybuilder yeah, yeah. or was cut or chiseled. He is now, granted. I mean, I don't know what he's doing now, but he's he's lost a lot of weight. But at the time, you know, Joe Thomas kind of had that dad bod. But he was still one of the best from his footwork aspect, from his angles that he had, from his hands, from his punch. I mean, he was the all-around offensive tackle. So... While I get, yes, Jerron Taylor's a specimen and, and he's got muscles and all that, well, let's not get too wrapped up in that stuff. I mean, it shows that he's a hard worker, and that's great. But I feel like we can't put too much stake on that, especially as an offensive tackle. Well, yeah, I mean, it's more about the transformation. I mean, you go 380 to 315, yeah. that's impressive stuff, well, I think, and, over a couple of years. And that obviously shows that you're a hard worker. Yeah, so and you're, you're committed there. to it and all that. And, and then, I mean, again, just go back to 315, whether he had a six-pack or not. I mean, and a strong agile 315 pound man you just don't walk down the corner and see one and that's part of the reason i think he's projected where he's projected and we'll talk more about Jawan taylor i mean uh, there were some exciting things about him today uh without you saw the video i shared i mean you get blocked out we don't even see i'm not telling <laughs> yeah. you the drills i'm talking about talking to him after jakai polite a big story there as well what a disaster of a draft uh, uh, draft time it's been for him, you talked a little bit about the draft process. I want to talk about Ja'Kai Polite a little bit more when it comes to that. How much is on the university? How much is on their agent and the, the circle around these kids, if you will, these young men, to show up and be their best? And Ja'Kai Polite was not that at the NFL Combine. I won't say he was that today either, but at least he was good enough to meet with the media and talk about it. And I think he'll be a story that people tell for a long time. And at the end of the book and the end of the story is still unwritten on Ja'Kai Polite. But we'll hear about him, a little C.C. Jefferson, a little Dan Mullen on uh, a scrimmage that's coming up tomorrow for the Gators. Gators baseball team continues to dominate Florida State. And we've got controversy in the NFL. Why this rule is good has to do with a little controversy in the NFL. Let's talk about it. What does everybody think? And jump in. It's kind of that hot-button topic. Pass interference is reviewable. Challenge it if you want, coaches. Do you like it? 904-362-9901. What a show lined up. Little Gravedigger. Little Jake Ryan from the Jaguars coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Can't wait to get it started. Back from Gainesville and Gators Pro Day. Let's talk NFL next on ESPN 690. This is Action Sports Jacks with Brent Martineau on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Oh, racing back from Gainesville from Gators Pro Day. I had to pick up the car, got an oil change here earlier today, and had to get a new tire because got a little nail on the sidewall, so that's no good. Um, but uh, made it. We made it. And we got a little magic whiteboard. What's up? Uh, you know, in, in honor of Coos uh, being gone today, we got due dates for babies are like estimated download times. <laughs> Sometimes it's a little early, sometimes the Wi-Fi is acting up, and sometimes it's late. You just I never know what you're going to get. Tell you what, for all the moms out there, I hope it's a little earlier than later. Without uh, a doubt. Not super earlier, but, uh, I mean, 38 weeks is probably okay, right, instead of 41. Yeah, I mean, I think we had ours four weeks before the due date, so that was a little stressful, but it is what it is, man. Four weeks before? Yeah. Uh, did you have to go to the NICU because of that? Was uh, how How big? 
Ah, uh, I don't even you know, remember? man. He was like eight pounds something. Oh, you're, oh even <laughs> yeah. four weeks early, oh, eight yeah, pounds? Yeah, I mean, he was, he was eight. He was ready to come out. Like, okay. Let's just say he was ready. Oh, that's good yeah. then. Yeah. He was going out a second grader otherwise. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or, I mean, he looks like a second grader. He's only four years old, but... He's uh he's grown. Yeah, well, let's just say that. It might look like second graders too, but they're fourteen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired on the whole Martino clan. Uh, but uh, you know, our kids were twins, obviously six five, six pounds five ounces, and five pounds one ounce. So we just avoid. If you're under five pounds, at least that's what it was yeah. when they were born. Yeah. Usually you have to spend a, a night or two, or maybe a little longer, in the NICU unit. Until you, they get to five pounds and put okay. on a little weight, yeah. and especially with twins, that was that was certainly possible. But my wife, I think, uh, had them at thirty-seven and a half weeks. I think it was so thirty-seven and a half, thirty-eight weeks, which I guess they say is is full term. I'm getting dropping all the pregnancy yeah, um, man, <laughs> words here, but it's full term for twins. Like basically, you know, uh. forty weeks is usually for. Normal pregnancy, I think, yeah. is the number. Yeah. But I think because of twins, there's like 38 or 37 and a half. So. Fair enough. Uh, and thank goodness it didn't go any later. Yeah, yeah. You know? We should probably, uh, you know, kind of clue the listeners in on that sultry voice we had behind the, the well, you know. Well, we, we, should do a, we should do a couple things because yeah. Scott is jumping in for Coos, yep. and Coos, who you just put the magic whiteboard about, is not having a baby. I think we should no. clarify okay, that, yeah, too. Sorry, sorry for the confusion. <laughs> sorry for the confusion. Yeah, Coos I mean, is going up the north road yeah. tripping <laughs> for a, the delivery from a friend. Yes, yes exactly. Coos yeah. is not having a baby personally, no. It's, it's not like the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Uh, I can't, junior, I think it was? <laughs> yeah, it was Junior. I think it was a documentary, but yeah, no. That's what happened to Coos right now. Uh, we got Dolphin Gary on the show just to start already. Let's bring him in uh, here on the program. And uh, what's up, Gary? Don't ask me any Dolphins questions. I just got back from Gainesville. That's all I know. <laughs> you know, this instant replay, guys, uh, you know, I- I'm all full getting it right, but the game is played by humans. It's refereed by humans. Sometimes I think when they stop and they analyze every this, every little this, every little that, I think it hurts a lot. It takes away the flow of the game. Guys are standing around getting cold. I think and uh, it's just so so boring to sit and wait for these guys to come out uh, out out of their hoods and look at this and look at that. And uh, it takes away the enjoyment of it for me. Yeah. Okay, Gary. Appreciate it. Thank you very much uh, for the call. And uh, I think that's a, a, certainly a part of this. But keep in mind now, it was your fault, people. It was you NFL fans that. Raise some cane over that call. That raise cane over every call. So once that happens, the reaction is so strong, and obviously it was big time strong in New Orleans for rightful reasons. Well, then these kind of things happen. People overreact, and even the owners might have overreacted. So I, I will give you. Here's my thought on it. You know my thought on it to a degree. We've talked about it enough that I think there should be an eye in the sky when something egregious happens. And you, I, I say it all the time. If you jump off your couch, and we all know what those moments are, okay? We know when you say, how was that not a call? And and keep in mind now, I'm talking about guys in New York or ladies in New York City that are sitting on their couch and watching this, and they don't have Jacksonville Jaguars gear on, and they don't have Miami Dolphins gear on. They don't have New England Patriots or New Orleans Saints or Chicago Bear gear on. So they're not... They're not looking through their own goggles of a fan. I'm talking about the average observer jumps out of their seat and says, whoa, that ref just missed that call. 
Mm-hmm. That's when I think you, you put the old BW3 button in play and, <laughs> and you make a call down and you should be able to do it. So I'm not uh, against, completely against reviewing these plays. I also think you have to take it at its root. Okay, the coaches can challenge these plays. They are going to have to be very strategic now on what they challenge. If I was a coach now, because one of these plays could be so important outside of two minutes left in the game, I would almost have to save one of my challenges for what potentially could be a game-deciding pass interference play, offense or defense, and I think I'd rather keep the challenge flag in my pocket unless I know I'm going to win on, say, a spot kind of play, you know, like a, a, a first down in the third quarter. That and You might have to punt the ball away just to keep that flag. I'm going to be really interested to see how these teams and coaches utilize that. So they still have to make a decision is my point. You might not get the review, especially if it's outside of two minutes, because a team might not have a challenge flag left or might not be willing to burn that challenge flag. So I think all the whole slowing down of the game and, and all this stuff, you know, while accurate, I've told you this before, what made the Super Bowl boring? Maroon 5. Maroon 5. <laughs> Give me another reason. The teams that we're playing. Yeah, the, yeah, well, just the lack of, I mean, the honestly, lack of, offense, lack of offense, yeah. Style of play. You know what else made it? There was absolutely zero drama and controversy in the game. We did not have one review in that football game. We did not have one review well, in the Super Bowl. There, there's the punt thing with Edelman, though. Did they review it? I could have swore they reviewed it, right? Was because that that game or was that Kansas City? Oh, wait, what was that? that yeah, was that I'm sorry, that was Kansas City. I was way off. Hello, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That yeah. was Kansas City. Okay, so sorry about Kansas that. Kansas City had plenty of it, by the way. True, yeah. But the, the game yeah, right. was boring because it was 13-3. to But it was and because it was 3-3 to at halftime, whatever the heck the score was. 3 to nothing. I don't know what it was at halftime, but it was 3-3 <laughs> to for a long time. But it was boring because we didn't get a review. Because on social media, we couldn't sit there and debate and say, hey, his knee was down, or he fumbled, or that was pass interference, or something of the sort. We didn't get to do that, and we like to do that. Mm-hmm. The bottom line is, people, you like to complain. We like to complain. That's what we like. We like controversy. And what sports does is it brings it to the forefront, and we can all discuss it, whether it's here from 3 to 6 on ESPN 690, or if it's during a game on Sunday afternoon or the Super Bowl on Sunday evening on our phones and on our tablets and, and everywhere else. We like to be able to discuss controversy and what this will do is create more controversy and create more drama and not to say there's not enough of it but i think that's where the nfl wins big indirectly i think this will create more of it it will get more people bitching and moaning it will get more people talking about the game and that never hurts the nfl this is going to work out in the nfl's favor is my point you think so huh yes well let's look at it from this aspect though when it comes to baseball, I feel like the numbers are down. Would you agree with that statement? Like, I mean, it's it's not as popular as it ha- as it has been. No, trades, uh, yeah. across the board, no. No, okay. I think a big reason Relative why that is obviously because the games are so long. Yes. So if, if we're gonna take these pass interference calls, and I'm gonna say that topic until tomorrow opening day. Okay, I got you. <laughs> but uh, so if we take the pass interference calls and whatnot, and you know, granted, if, if it's a close call, that's an extra ten minutes. Maybe 15 I mean, let's be honest is it here. Though? I think it is. I mean, I think that's a little, I think that's um, a little hyperbole. 
Okay. I don't think they're taking 10 or 15 minutes to review these plays. How long do you think it takes usually? I mean, it's like not five. baseball replay where it's like, bam, 30 seconds. No, no. But, I mean, I would think the max is around five minutes. I think the max okay. is five minutes. But at the same time, it's still going to mess up the flow of the game. Um, it, you know, it's, it's going to ruin maybe some momentum that their offense is building. Because let's be honest, when it comes to, in terms of offenses, when you're talking, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs, or you're talking the, the Los Angeles Rams, like those offenses are built on rhythm. And if we start implementing these, you know, is it a pass interference call or not? Well, then those offenses get. So honestly, I mean, from from a, a defensive standpoint, I'm all for it because great. Now the defense can get, get, a rest. A, get a rest. They can, you know, make some changes and whatnot to the offense. That's, you know, obviously heck, going down the field and whatnot. So from a defensive perspective, that's great. From an offensive perspective, it might be a little shady. And especially talking about the NFL where it's all about the money, the offense is the one that's making the money. Hence why we have so many rules concerning the quarterback. Hence why we have, you know, all, all these rules considering, like, the weight hits and the, the hits uh, on a defenseless receiver. So from that perspective, I think the NFL should just be careful a little bit. Now, I, I'm up for this rule, honestly. From, from a fan perspective, I think it's right. Because we look at it happened with New Orleans, that call had to be made. And unfortunately, it wasn't, and the Saints got screwed out of going to the Super Bowl. But, you know, speaking of these rules and whatnot, there's actually a couple more rules that I wish they would address that we still haven't really got to the bottom of yet. Yeah, well, don't do it yet. Okay. <laughs> okay. Tease it. I'll tease it. I mean, how much time do we have left here? Well, we got uh, a break in a minute. Okay, I got and, you. And, and so I want you to tease it because we're yeah. not going to be able to flood over to the next segment. We got Gravedigger coming on for a couple minutes. Yes, sir. But I do want to go off on a tangent on two things real quick. Tangential point. Is tangential a word? I just made it up. You just I made think. it up, I think, yep. Um, I have no idea, but I'm going to look it up because if it is, that's one of the biggest words I've used on radio yet. I'm looking it up now, man. Uh, one thing being Sean Payton is so lucky that he complained about this rule forever that nobody talks about what an atrocious set of play calls that was in the NFC Championship for Sean Payton. It was an atrocious series when they could have just run the clock out and won the game. So he's off the hook, and he benefits now, too, from this rule because he kind of got his way. And, and I'm, I'm, I, I'm not saying he didn't have a right to argue that, but we all do forget that he should never have been throwing the dang ball to begin with. The other side of it is, I wondered this seriously. When you said defensive players get arrested, see, I'm a guy that likes to go, go, go. And mm-hmm. as soon as I sit down, I'm like, oh, man. You don't want to hit you like when you get tired? Yeah. And I kind of wonder about that in sports. Would you rather take, does that two-minute breather on a TV timeout really help? Or does it almost hurt you with a five-minute break? Does it help catch your breath? Or does it kind of make you cold? It helps the defense for sure. It, it actually does. helps catch your breath, especially like on a 10-point drive where you're ready to come out, but you can't come out because it's a no-huddle offense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're looking for any break that you can get. Okay. All right, fair enough. Hey, we'll talk about those other rule changes. We've got this one to come as well. We've got Jake Ryan on the way. More Gator talk from Pro Day. And should the Jags take Jawan Taylor? But Gravedigger, yeah, the real Gravedigger, is up next on ESPN 690. Tangential is a word. Yeah, baby. Big word day. (laughs) You watch Action Sports Jacks on CBS 47 and Fox 30. Now Action Sports Jacks is on your radio. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and a jar in Levine Studios. Here's your host, Brent Martineau. Welcome back on a Wednesday. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane. Scott with us in the producer seat today. And I think Austin referenced that. And then we jumped all over Coos again because it's so much fun. How much fun are we going to make of Coos in the next three days while he's gone up to uh, North Carolina? Um, there will be blood. Yeah, there probably will be. Good thing is he can't really do much about it. How you doing, Scott? 
I'm having a good day, brother. Thanks for sitting in the chair, man. We appreciate it. Happy to be a part of it. Uh, Scott's killing it, man. I'll like see it. if you're saying that in three hours. I came in here. He's like, all right, the video's ready to go. Everything's ready to go. I mean, it's refreshing. It, it really is. It's refreshing, Scott. You, you, you're already stealing the show, man. Props it's that rookie excitability, man. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see how he acts like day three or whatever like that. <laughs> uh, that's pretty funny. Um, Kuz will be back with us uh, next week, of course, and uh, hopefully has a good trip up there uh, to North Carolina. Uh, we're expected to get Dennis Anderson, the original, really the one and only, Brave Digger, yeah, uh, on in just a bit, but uh, hasn't called in yet. So let's get back to your rules. How about that? I like uh, it. I didn't make you wait as long as uh, yep. you thought. You, you, so bottom line is we're talking about this PI call. You can call in any time of the show today, 904-362-9901. I think it will be a recurring theme, and people are, are weighing in all about it. A lot of people don't like, I will say this, I was surprised it happened. I, I was a little shocked that this thing went through. And it is a one-year test run on it. I do like that part of it. And why not, right? I mean, I, I don't think it's going to hurt to try to get the calls right. Uh, that's the best argument all the time. Wait a minute, you're telling me that you don't want to sit for another four minutes and have another half a beverage? <laughs> and you're, you're willing to do that at the, uh, of of missing a call egregiously again? Well, okay, you're probably right. Let's have another half of a beverage or chug it all and, and make it quick. But uh, you're not you're, – you think there are other rules that should be changed that they're not talking about? Is that the way uh, I heard you? Not necessarily rules that sh- should not be changed or whatever. I think just um, rules that didn't really get addressed at all that I'm kind of shaking my head about. For instance – what was probably the biggest complaint this past season in terms of the, of the game itself when it comes to rules, Brent, would you say? And and think back to the, the beginning of the season more than towards the end of the season. Oh, well, uh, the uh, the lowering of the helmet. Well, yeah, I, I mean, in general, roughing the passer. Oh, I roughing mean, the passer. Yeah, yeah, so roughing the passer to me. Wait, like, well, you know how in the preseason, though, they started... They, yeah. they, everybody was complaining about because they were hitting with no. lower in the helmet. They, yeah. they actually stopped calling that. See, to me, it's rough in the passer because there's still not a really a clear rule. Of course of, it's rough in the passer. You're a defensive end. Okay, well, okay, thank you. I guess that's uh, a point for me. I'm not sure. But, like, <laughs> I, like well, yeah, I'm you're going to complain that you can't hit the quarterback I thought rough in the passer was your job. I know. I mean, that's, that's literally <laughs> on my resume. It was, you know. And so my issue is. We don't have, like, and I'm sure they're going to show, like, and then the rules meeting, you know, that, that BS rules meeting that they show to every team in training camp where you can do this, you can't do this, and we're not going to have access to that. But from, you know, from being a fan perspective, I think the NFL needs to address the roughing the passer because in the start of the season, I remember a couple games watching with Clay Matthews where he hit the quarterback and literally, like, made an extra effort not to put his weight on the quarterback, roll over, not roll on top of the quarterback, and what happened? He still got called for the for the flag and everything. So, from that perspective, well, I feel like... like the one in the Super Bowl. There you go, the Super Bowl one. Yeah, the Super Bowl one as Tom well. Tom Brady didn't even get hit. Yeah. And so, from that perspective, I feel like there needs to be at least some set of rules of, hey, this constitutes roughing the passer, and this doesn't, because there's not a really a clear set of rules yet. Another thing, too... Do we are we are we gonna find out what what actually a catch is and a catch is not because I think we're still up for debate with that as well and it happens every single year. Well, I don't think we had that much of a problem this year with that. I think they loosened. They actually said, you know what, we're gonna go back to what logic is. If it looks like a catch, it's a catch. So we didn't have the Des Bryant thing. You know, we we had less of the the whole 
interpret the catch. We certainly did. I mean, they did a better job with that. You know, it really came off, uh, now it's two years ago, so it was, remember the Pittsburgh Steelers game? And the, Jesse, was it Jesse James? As he was going to the end zone? Yeah. And, or, and that one looked like... I think it was Jesse James, yes. Yeah, and like a catch or no yep. catch, and it was right at the goal line, and it impacted home field advantage, and actually the Jags ended up going to Pittsburgh instead of probably going to New England that year, if I'm not mistaken, how much that, that game changed things. But we had less of that in 2018. Mm-hmm. So the, I think they... At least that's what I remember. Call, let me know if we missed a bunch of, oh, boy, catch, not catch this year. I'm talking. I know we have in the last handful of years, but I think they kind of remedied that. And, see, that's what the NFL doesn't get any credit for that. People like to complain and say the NFL's this and that, but the NFL seemingly remedied the, co- the catch situation last year. They also made a quick fix. They almost became like NASCAR last year to the one that I was talking about. They want to protect the players, but some of this – lowering the helmet and hitting with the helmet that was called so crazily in the preseason. Like the Jaguars had it called, I think, two or three times in Minnesota in the preseason. Well, there were so many of those called in the first two weeks. I'm I'm pretty sure the NFL got a call from all the GMs and executives and, and coaches, and they all kind of came to, all right, we're going to, unless it's something absolutely crazy, we're not going to do this just yet. But... Uh, so I think they've made some strides, and that's yeah, what I'm telling you, man. They're gonna. This is going to work out for well, the NFL. I feel like Hopkins had a catch, and I, I can't remember who he was playing against, but I remember he it was a touchdown, and it got called off, and it was like an amazing catch would have been catch of the year, and unfortunately got waved off. Once again, I don't know who he was playing against, but there's a few plays that stick out to me. But it's, to prove your point, not as bad as it has been. The other rule that, and listen, I, I, I get it, but coming from, I guess you'd say, the old school, where it's, no more blindsided blocks because I get it from the fact that if you blindside somebody, well, that's a risk of injury because they don't see it coming, correct? So they can't brace themselves. But at the same time, if you blindside somebody like a receiver, I mean, so they always say that if there's an interception, you always go block the receiver who that ball was going to because that receiver is more than likely going to make the tackle because he sees the play coming and he has the most, I guess, motivation to go get that ball back. So from that perspective, I feel like sometimes you have to blindside somebody just because you're trying to, you know, you're trying to score a touchdown. And if you don't blindside that guy, well, then maybe he's a difference between making that tackle and not making that tackle. So from the blindside thing, like I get it. Like I mean, I'm sure you can, you know, put your shoulder into him and like put your hands up and you're fine. But man, there's especially, you know, in that play like interception or a fumble. I mean, where it happens so fast. Uh, you're asking a lot of guys. I think it's interesting, though. Like, I get it, okay? I get the people that say it's old-school football. This is not the way it's supposed to be. That's me. Listen, man, it's still a freaking violent game on every play. You know? I mean, I, I, I just would ask you this then. And I get it. I get where you come from. I appreciate that because I think you're freaking nuts to be able to play that game and do that and want to do that. I, I wouldn't. Um, so, good for you. But... And I think people enjoy it. Listen, I love watching the decleating hit right there, too. I mean, it's fun. Mm-hmm. But the guy might not get up. I mean, it's a dangerous play. And there's got to be some level of appreciation for the NFL, for the owners, for every or whoever else, the, the competition committee, the NFLPA, for trying to make the game safer, man. It, it is a violent, violent game. I get it. Listen, Donovan Darius going over the middle years ago was fun to watch. I do think we lean on the so much the side of protection now that I think it's a little ridiculous. In the college game, the targeting thing has become, oh, my 
goodness so annoying to me. That's where, a game changer, Where man. a guy gets kicked out of a game for nothing malicious other than trying to make a physical play. Well, perhaps for that game and then the next game as well. For yeah, it's half, stupid. Depending. The penalty is dumb. But you know what they're doing here, and the coaches are even biting their tongue on it. This is what I believe. I, I don't know if this is sure, true or not. But I believe they are trying to train the player to do it the right way so much so that some of these guys have to pay the price. Mm-hmm. Like, I always go back to the Florida game against uh, whoever they played, whatever cupcake they played, Charleston Southern, <laughs> you know, early on. The kid was not trying to be malicious. Did he have a targeting call against it? Yes, it was targeting. Six seconds into the game or eight seconds into the game, whatever it was, the dude was ejected from the game. That kid was playing in the swamp. He played at Charleston Southern. He got to play in the swamp, and it's like his dream come true, mm-hmm. and he did nothing really wrong other than what he should have done is got a penalty because now that's the rule, and they kick him out of the game. Like, that to me is asinine. Like, that's a whole different stuff. When we talk college football and later, well, we'll get into the rules of college football as we get closer to the season, and that one to me is still dumbfounds me that guys have to pay that price. You know what malicious is, and you know what malicious is not. I think on the sports, in the sports arena, and some of those calls in college are ridiculous. It's absolutely amazing how much the rules have changed in, in eight years since I played. I remember being 2010, my rookie year, and we had a rule on the defensive line where if there's an interception, we go directly after the quarterback and try to hit him. You know, and like basically, I don't want to say n- n- knock him out of the game, but we, you know, we try to inflict damage on him. Yes. So I remember my first game that I started uh, in Dallas. I think Joe, K- John Kitna? Kitna. Yeah, Kitna was the quarterback, and Kitna threw an interception, man, and he's like 30 yards down the field away from the player, but. Here comes Austin Lane, man, trying to deliver his shoulder because I was doing what I was told, man. And uh, thankfully, I didn't get a play on that, uh, 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 you know, a play on that play. <laughs> well, we're going to ask Jake Ryan a little bit about these plays. He's yeah. coming up uh, at 4.30. He'll join us, the new Jacksonville Jaguars linebacker. Uh, we'll talk a little Gator football pro day. What happened there today next? from Golden Wingo. You're listening to Action Sports Jacks with our friend Brent Martineau on ESPN 690. I just got back from Gators Pro Day in Gainesville today out there this morning and uh, we'll be in Tallahassee tomorrow as well. I won't be. Marcel Robinson will make the trip. Uh, I just won't be able to get back in time so can't go there. You know, I really enjoy going to Pro Days. I love the whole draft process. Combine was cool this year. First time I did that and we do Senior Bowl quite often. Uh, the pro days are cool. We've been up the, before to South Carolina's pro day when Jadavian Clowney was uh, coming out, and sometimes you go wherever the quarterback might be. I, I think if the Jags did not get Foles in free agency, would have thought about going to Haskins pro day up in Columbus, Ohio. But we usually try to go to the Gators pro day and Knowles pro day. And then uh, now you got visits coming up, and then the draft, and we'll be up in the draft as well. So the whole process, I think, is, is kind of cool to watch it, especially if you land a guy that you followed around. And so to me, this is... Like, Jawan Taylor's a guy for the Jaguars that obviously there's interest there, that, that you can connect dots there. But even covering the Gators or the, or the way people talk about the Gators, like Austin said earlier, you don't really talk about the right tackle that much. So we are, to me, kind of being introduced to Jawan Taylor a little bit today. And we find out a little bit more about him. Then maybe he comes for a visit. And he does have one scheduled with the Jaguars in mid-April, I believe. And... Then, uh, of course, we, we'll see him at the draft. He said he is going to Nashville for the draft, so he will be there. And we always interview a bunch of the guys at the draft. So it'll be fun month, in my opinion, to follow Taylor. And then if the Jags pick him, well, then we got a little background now with him. we got a little familiarity uh, with kind of who the man is along with who the player is as we continue to learn about some of these uh, potential draft picks of the Jacksonville 
Jaguars. Well, in this process, which can be difficult, and Austin talked about it yesterday, about pro days, about Murray State, and how they, you guys had a coaching change, and then how you took a supplement that was legal, by the way. It was legal. but Even if it wasn't, I would have said it was illegal. I'm not ashamed of it, but it, it was legal. It was legal, yeah. and it led to a hamstring injury. And yeah. now it's, you got me thinking, because Ja'Kai Polite struggled like crazy at the Combine, and in interviews, he tweeted something he probably shouldn't have tweeted. He didn't perform well. He's got the hamstrings injured. He said it hurt about 10 days before the combine. He ran the 40 once today, but didn't do a whole lot because the hamstrings still bother him. It's wrapped up. Uh, Jawan Taylor didn't run the 40 either because of his hamstring. So now all of a sudden I'm, I'm saying, boy, it's all contagious. these guys must be taking some Everyone's taking Jack 3D, man, <laughs> trying to get that advantage. That's trying to get was, that bench press up a little bit. That's what I was thinking about based off yesterday's conversation. Yeah. Uh, but the moral of this story to me in Gainesville today was you got a guy in Jawan Taylor who's really climbed boards and he's done the things the right way and he probably has good – there's good uh, uh, team around him. Maybe he picked the right agent, maybe mom and dad, maybe whoever it might be. Then you have Ja'Kai Polite who – I'm telling you, he's a top 15 pick potentially in the NFL draft going into the combine. And you could, we're going to use Ja'Kai Polite, in my opinion, for the next couple of years and maybe decades at, wow, he really messed up his stock at the combine. And part of it was he got overweight. They tried to gain weight because he thought he'd need more weight going into the NFL, which kind of was something you did a little bit, yeah, right? Yeah, but to support, I mean, I guess to go against that claim, though, Ja'Kai Polite is an edge rusher. You know, he, is, he was going to enter the combine as an edge rusher. That's his calling card. He's yeah. getting after the quarterback. For me, back in 2010, that's back when it was like the 4-3 defensive end. The prototypical 4-3 defensive end had to stop the run, and then we had to play the quarterback as well. But on average, a 4-3 defensive end, I'm talking like the Julius Peppers and whatnot, you know, they're up there like 6-5, probably 265, 270. So from the aspect of me having to put on weight, I had to do that because that's what the position required at the time. Actually, yeah. So when we're talking about Ja'Kai Polite now, as an edge rusher, that's that's what he's going to the that's what he went to the combine for. That's what he's getting drafted as. The the excuse that he had to put on more weight that doesn't sit well with me. Just for the fact that you look at some of the great pass rushers right now in the NFL, like a, you know, like a Von Miller, um, even Clay Matthews when he when he was you know uh, in the upper echelon. They weren't that big. I mean, they were maybe. I bet Von Miller right now is about two thirty-five. Honestly, is he that light? I, I think he would be either two thirty-five, two forty at the most. Really, he's light. Yeah, huh. and and that's what you see with these pass rush specialists is the fact that it's all about speed. speed. It's all about that yeah. get off. So, from the perspective of the whole Jai, you know, the the Jai Polite thing, Jai Polite. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, yep. Uh, I don't buy the excuse that he was trying to add weight. Yeah, well, okay, listen, and, and I'm not giving him an excuse. I'm just saying somebody along the way, either he got fat and happy and out of shape between the bowl game or, or the end of the season and get into the combine and said so he didn't take it serious enough, He any of those things. Or somebody said, hey, you might be better off putting on 10 pounds or 12 pounds. So, you, you, But you actually feed into my point. And, and the overall picture is he also failed miserably in the interviews. Now, mm-hmm. he did say, and I, I give Ja'Kai Polite a ton of credit. He talked today. And a lot of people before at this event, before the, the guys started talking, like, well, he's probably not going to talk. Like, we can't make him talk because they're really with their agents and families now. They're on their own. Can't make him talk, and he probably won't talk. Well, that's what's the prediction. Well, I'll tell you what, Ja'Kai Polite, nice young man. Came up, talked. Uh, I, I, I give him a lot of credit for doing that. He got asked all about the combine and failing miserably at the combine and 
I think uh, I give him credit for doing that, but he is going to be one of these stories that is like, man, you really screwed this up. And partly because even the interview, he said he was intimidated by the interview process. He didn't really know what to expect by the interview process. And so what I'm getting at is how much responsibility is it for the school? In your case, Murray State, even though they changed coaches, you guys were looking for places for a pro day. Mm-hmm. You know, Dan Mullen, honestly, I do, it's hard to read Mullen on the polite situation because polite decided to enter early in the NFL, leave school early, and you almost get the feeling from Mullen that he was against it and polite decided to do it anyway. That's kind of my read. Over the last couple of weeks, uh, Mullen has said a couple of times, well, you know, we're going to see if it works out for him, you know, going out, leaving early. And you almost get the sense, like, Mullen wasn't all for it. And But does do they do enough to get these guys ready? Does the agent do enough? Does the team of people around them do enough? Does the coach at the school do enough? And how much of it is a responsibility to say, hey, we know what they're going to ask you at the combine. We know what they're going to test you in at the combine. You must be ready for this because this could be – altering in terms of how much money you make, where you end up, or even if you get a job in the NFL. Your career as a college football player, whether you go for two or three or four years, however long you go, it conditions you to get ready for the combine. It conditions you to get ready for those meetings where it's going to be a high-stressful environment. It conditions you to play at the next level. And this is granted if you're playing D3, D2, uh, a Murray State, in, like, like an FCS school, or a legit SEC school. Okay, so the fact that, well, maybe the people around him didn't get him ready, I say bullcrap because that tells me that you didn't take the opportunities that you had. Now, granted, as a college athlete, probably the one of the biggest transitions that you make from going, you know, playing college ball to the pros is that you don't have everything done for you. I think Vince Young had a big problem with that because it was reported saying that Vince Young, one of his biggest um, problems was everyone did everything for him. And when he got to the Tennessee Titans, he wasn't used to doing things on his own. Okay, so there's different types of personalities, different types of people. From Ja'Kai Polite's perspective, I feel like, listen, he's, he's had this hamstring thing, and you can use that as, a, as an excuse why he came in out of shape. Maybe. But from my perspective, if you hurt that hamstring, maybe you're training for the combine, the 40-yard dash, you, you hurt a hamstring. I don't think hamstring injuries last that long, number one, and maybe he re-aggravated it. Who knows? But if you hurt your hamstring, well, then work your upper body more. Like, still maintain, you know, staying in shape. And, you know, getting back to the whole thing, well, maybe someone told him to add a couple pounds, uh, maybe add some more muscle. Well, that's fine, but guess what? According to the scouts at the combine, it wasn't muscle, all right? He, he, he looked sloppy. Let's call, let's call a spade a spade. He looked sloppy at the combine. So that tells me that either A, okay, you hurt your hamstring, but you still weren't taking training seriously, or B, you had maybe the worst advice ever from either an agent. I guarantee it wasn't a coach because a coach wouldn't tell him, all right, you should probably put on 15 extra pounds. Eh, maybe it's muscle, maybe it's not. But even then, if you're training for the combine, you're going to have professionals who, who, who know nutrition, who know weightlifting. They're going to get you right. So from that perspective, I just feel like Ja'Kai Polite, maybe his mindset was a little off, yeah. especially what you heard from the meetings as well. Yeah, I mean, again, he failed miserably in the meetings. He admits it, too. Let's hear from Ja'Kai Polite because he was really good with the media after he owned up to a lot of it. He, he knows that he's dropping, and he knows he'll be an example down the road of what not to do, really. But here's Ja'Kai Polite just from a couple hours ago in Gainesville. I had to prove that I can come out here and compete because it wasn't that good of a combine for me, which 
we all know. I just wanted to improve and try to get my hamstring better so I can compete with my teammates. How tough has this last uh, few weeks been on you mentally, coming off the combine and everything? It's pretty tough, but it's a major learning experience for me, something I've never been through in my life. Something like I just keep learning every day because, like, nobody in my family has been through anything like this, so I had nobody to help me, really, other than my agent. But I never knew how serious and how mental, mentally tough you had to be for this moment. But I've learned from it. What? How important were your, any of the, of the visits that you take be? They'll all be very crucial because I don't know who's going to pick me. I, I don't know anything. I just got to show them the real me because that first it wasn't really me. It was somebody that didn't know that much. But I've learned from it. Do you expect to drop because of the combine? And if so, how much will that put a chip on your shoulder as you enter the NFL? Yeah, it's put a big chip on my shoulder. Just with all the negativity. But I'm used to adversity in my life, everything. So it just makes me grind harder. Give me a why, a stronger reason to do it. This could be a daunting process. Do you think you'll... You'll have a good story to tell at the end of it with, yeah, of course. And, and share with other Gators and other players that have to go through it because it's so unique and different. Yes, sir. Because I'm sure I'm not the only guy that that didn't come up, like, going through interviews throughout their life, especially, like, NFL-type interviews when they're about to invest a lot of money in you to play for their business. So they got to get to know you, got to know, like, they have to know the real you, everything. And I'm just ready to show them. And like, just let my story be uh, stepping stones for another guy that comes. Ja'Kai Polite, uh, he's transparent about, listen, he messed this thing up. I mean, he knows it. You can tell. I mean, he learned in hindsight. He's like, wow, this was bigger than I thought it was. It was almost like he didn't know it was it was going to damage him this much, whatever. The weight, the interviews, the tweet, the this, the that. It's almost like, hey, I've done everything else before and it's all been easy. I didn't know this was going to be that hard. Well, what bothers me is the fact that he said he only had help from his family and his agent. You didn't mention any coaches. You didn't mention any kind of strength and conditioning staff. Like, listen, I'm not sure what his financial situation is, but you always pay the agent when you get drafted. So from that standpoint, you, the agent should have you working out with some you know, pro performance place if you're not going to work out at Florida. Another thing, too. Dude, you went to Florida. All right? you, you can go to a small school, so reach out to some of those former players. They'll, they'll be gladly to help you out, man. Yeah, something doesn't add advantage. up. Something's, something's, not, something's up not adding up. I'll tell you why Florida screwed up today, too, next on ESPN 690. You watch Action Sports Jacks on CBS 47 and Fox 30. Now Action Sports Jacks is on your radio. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Jar and Levine Studios, here's your host, Brent Martineau. Whiteboard out again, 4 o'clock. <laughs> Are you ready for this one? What you got? If the earth is flat, maybe dinosaurs live on the other side and we keep digging up their dead and buried. Huh. Right? On the side, there's this flat, yeah. Right? Is there a wall? What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so just to be clear that I wasn't from my mind, I actually found that on the internet, so... That was not. That me. was not you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Ah, pizza's here. We got Don't pizza? eat all that pizza now. We got pizza here. See that? Coos leaves. Scott comes in, and we hey. deliver pizza. Warning risk. Batman at the control board. You guys are in danger. Messing <laughs> out. At least hey, he's honest, man. I don't know. Hey, I don't know about that. I just know you have a couple pounds on Coos. That's all I know. 
by the way, thanks for Renna's Pizza dropping off some pie today. How about that? Well, it is kind of refreshing that we have somebody back there. And I'm not going to say you're fat, dude. You look fine to me. But, you know, as opposed to having Kuz brag about how he's losing all this weight all the time and working out. It's oh, I'm just fine. Like, it. It's all good. I'm fine. I it. mean, it's just, yeah, it's just nice like, to have a guy that's passionate about pizza. Yeah. As am I, sir. So, yeah, yeah, man. You find what you love. You. you find your passion. You find your talent set. Yeah. And then you exploit the <laughs> hell out of that. I like now it. Now if I could just get a sponsorship. I like the way this guy does business. <laughs> well, no one about the sponsorship, but you're about to have some Renna's Pizza. Uh, so it's there you go. It's a good day. Uh, I don't know if uh, Kuz told you about the happy hour horn, but it's 4 o'clock. Do you know where that uh, lives? Oh, yeah. wow. Right, right on command. Grab a drink, get a shot, and sit your star tenders. And add a slice of pizza. I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> I'm going to dig into that pie when uh, on the next segment. As am I. As we all will. And I have a special gift for you, too. Uh-oh. Yeah. Not, <laughs> I wish you could see the smirk on your face right now, man. Uh, I'm, actually a little, I'm actually a little frightened. Yeah, you should be. Okay. All right. I, I said, why did Florida screw up today's pro day? Yeah. yeah that was kind of a good tease there. I'm Thank you very myself. much. And listen, I'm not going to rip Florida here. They might have their own reasons for doing it. But can you give me the... You have a bunch of guys, right? You have a guy that's going to be the top 10 pick. You have a guy that could be a top 15, top 20 pick, depending on how this all shakes out with Ja'Kai Polite. You have some talent, Chauncey uh, Gardner-Johnson. You know, you have these guys, about five local guys in Jacksonville, so you're trying to get everything out there. I don't know why they did it today. I probably should have asked, but if there was a schedule conflict or, or whatever. But it hit me during today. Bill Belichick was the only head coach we could see there. You know why? Because the NFL owners' meetings are going on. Why would you have your pro day when the NFL GMs, coaches, are in Arizona? Yeah, I didn't think about that. Like, that doesn't make sense. Like, and you, is Florida, like, really the only school that's doing it today? Well, that I don't know. Okay, I mean, gotcha. yeah, Florida State's doing it tomorrow, but the owners' meetings end today, so yeah. you could potentially get back tomorrow. And I do think, I, we talk about this quite a bit, what's the most important part of the draft process. Where does the pro day fit in? I've debated where the combine fits in. Where do the visits fit in? I mean, I think some of it is silly, to be quite honest. But it's still, if you want to give yourself the best showcase and you want Doug Marone there and Sean Payton there and Doug Peterson there and Bill Belichick and name your coach, John Gruden, you want them all there. Well, you pick the day that they are all in Arizona. And again, Bill Belichick made it over, which means he said, you know what, I want to go over to Florida instead of be here. So I guess they all can make that choice, but you made it tougher on them. You know, usually those guys go in their own, they go in like a pod. You know, they all go out there. So if they all have some kind of responsibilities out there, and who knows, maybe Arizona's pro day is tomorrow, and they're staying out there. You can't go to all of them. But you would think, and the Jags had some representation there, scout-wise. But I still think, you know, for the Jags in Tallahassee and in Gainesville to have some representation right down the road, I think has some value. You know, I mean, heck, they've taken four Gators in the last 12 years in the first round. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's good to show the Jags in Gainesville watching Pro Day. It just hit me today, and I was like, that doesn't seem like a very smart move by the Gators to have the Pro Day during NFL owners' meetings. And it's good to show the Jaguars there, but it's good to show all the teams there, because let's be honest, this is a a high-profile SEC school, and they had a lot of success last year, and they're always putting guys in the draft and whatnot, so 
from from that perspective and the fact that, you know, with Dan Mon, I mean, he had a good, successful first year. Um, you know, he's trying to do things his way. So there's kind of been a, a changing of the guard as well, a change of culture. So why wouldn't you want to have the most eyes on the Florida Pro Day as possible, you know, just trying to promote yourself as, you know, like the, the new and improved Florida Gators. So it, it is kind of baffling to me, the fact that they would schedule it during the, 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 owners, the owners and coaches meeting. Yeah, well, and, 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 listen, and listen, by the way, uh, there could be multiple reasons why. I mean, they still have to work around their schedule, too. Uh, Gators have a scrimmage. We'll get into the Gators side of it a little bit later on in the program. Uh, they have a scrimmage tomorrow. Uh, it it might have been this is the best day for all the agents and before the visits and after such and such. There could be a myriad of reasons why. It's just on the surface for me said, wait a minute, like these guys can't even be here? Like we go to Gainesville and there are plenty of people there, by the way. There are plenty of scouts and there are some former players. Trey Burton actually was there uh, with the Super Bowl ring on. <laughs> and, you know, so... You have enough folks there, and yet the scouts are the scouts. They can do this stuff, too. But I do think, uh, again, Bill. to me it stood out about Bill Belichick. It's like, wait a minute, Belichick left there to come here for some reason. I think that's kind of interesting. That tells it me is. something about Bill Belichick, that he wanted to be there. Now, he's always had a relationship with Florida, uh, back with Urban Meyer especially. And then, of course, Mullen was on Meyer's staff, so indirectly they had this relationship. It just was like, all right, if you wanted to have the most people there... Which is the goal. Which I think See, is the goal for those kids. Again, it goes back to well, me. It's like, do they take care of the kid? Are they helping the, I, the potential draftee as well as they can be? And I was just going to touch on that point where it almost seems like, and obviously I shared the story yesterday, so I know firsthand, like, it almost seems like you do your service of three or four years or however long you play football at that university, and as soon as the, that season's done... It's like, all right, well, it's on to the next guys now. Like, thanks for your service, but we have to go this opposite direction now because we have to focus on the next season. And all of a sudden, that kid that gave you the blood, gave you the sweat, gave you the tears on your football team is kind of just cast it aside and been like, well, good luck. I mean, we're here for you, but we got to focus on, on the team coming in. It's just, it feels I don't know, that man. Way. I it just, feels that way. I just don't know how I feel about that. I don't believe it's that way. I really don't, General. I think they're trying to do whatever they can. You really couldn't get that out of Mullen today. It was like, he was asked the question. He's like, do you guys do enough? You know, should you do more? Well, and you, he, should, you should do more because, let's be honest, if those players succeed in the NFL, that's going to help your program out. Yes. So how wouldn't you do as much as possible because those guys succeeding at the next level are just as important as the recruits that you bring in. Hey, can you do me a favor and ring the bell? Wow, what's up? Because Jenny, over oh. Jenny, uh, said, you know what other school's pro day is today? Mississippi State. Mississippi State. Gotcha. There you go. Montez Sweat. Well, again, well, I think, right? Yeah, yeah Montez Sweat. Montez yeah. Sweat and actually a bunch of, well, well Simmons the, I assume he's the has got the, the injury. But they, that was interesting to talk to Mullen today about that, too. Because what's weird is the connection, okay? It, Mullen came in and he inherited these players and he did a great job with these players they had a great year but they're not it's kind of like you know they're not his babies the mississippi state guys that are going to the nfl this year he brought those guys in you know mm -hmm. those are his babies and, and don't misinterpret this gator fan i'm not saying he has more loyalty right now to mississippi state than he does to florida but i think naturally you're there's just not that special, special, special relationship with this group that's going out this year. You only had a year with them. 
you know. But, and, and with those Mississippi State guys, he recruited those guys. He brought them into the program. He de- helped develop them, and now they're going. So he's got an interesting but, table at the draft because he's got Mississippi State guys and Florida okay. guys to look at. But let's be honest, though. If, if Dan Mullen's sitting at a recruit's table this next year talking about, hey, we want you to come into Florida, say the kid's the right tackle. Well, we just had Juwan Taylor yeah, go to the NFL true. draft. Yeah. He's going to name drop Juwan Taylor. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah. so I get it. Maybe those aren't his babies or those aren't his kids, as you would say. But he's still going to promote well, he's them. Gonna he's going to claim them. He's going to claim them. Claim them. Yeah. I, I, well, all I'm pointing out children. is, no, I'm, um, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm going to point uh, that that's uh, dangerous. Uh, people calling all the time. But uh, <laughs> what I'm just trying to point out, I do think there is a special, a more special relationship with the, the most likely the players you brought into the program rather than the ones you inherited. Uh, I agree that's with just that. natural. Yes. You know, and so I think that Mullins in an interesting spot. And again, it's going back to our conversation about a segment ago. If he didn't agree or advise, listen, everybody's got an ego, and we know these coaches have egos. If he didn't advise a guy like Jakai Polite to leave early, and now he's dropping and not ready, and maybe Dan Mullen said, listen, you're not maybe mature enough. You don't, you're not ready for this, man. You should come back another year. I'm telling you, you'll be better off if you come back another year. And we, who knows if he said it? Mm-hmm. Because, again, it's tough for Polite. If he's a top 15 guy, why wouldn't you come out? But... I think there was there's an essence of that. There's a sense of that, like, well, you didn't listen to me, so good luck, man. <laughs> you know, uh, there, there's part of it that just happens sometimes. Hey, uh, we're gonna go to the phones right now and break away from football because we got a legend on the phone right now. I don't know if most people call him Grave Digger or Dennis Anderson. But I think he goes by both, and he joins the program on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau along with Austin Lane here on ESPN 690. I think you're on your way to Orlando. I'm not sure you made it there quite yet. How you doing, Dennis? I'm doing good, man. I am in Orlando. Good, good. Nice. You made it there. I know you got some promotional stuff. I think you were in the Jacksonville area earlier today, and I obviously got the big world finals coming up in May down in Orlando. Tell us a little bit about it. Yes, it's going to be the uh, it'll be the first time ever, you know, to have the uh, the World Finals, and and I know all the fans and the listeners out there when they you know we talk Monster Jam and Monster Trucks, it's huge in Florida, and we hit all of the markets you know here in Florida, but this will be the twentieth um, the twentieth World Finals, so to me it's like a twentieth anniversary of the World Finals, and it's happening right here in Orlando, and um, you know and my whole family's coming. The reigning world champ, Adam Anderson, uh, for racing. The reigning world champ for freestyle is Ryan Anderson, and that's my uh, my middle son. So those guys have got their work cut out for them. This is a brand-new uh, competition as far as the seven. You know, we're going to crown uh, seven champions, and um, that's the first time we've done it. Usually it's just two champions, a race champion and a freestyle champ. But it's, they're making it bigger and badder here in Florida, and I am so glad that it's happening in Florida because if it was going to be changed from Vegas to anywhere in the United States, this is the state it should have been, should have been in, and it is. And speaking of that, Dennis, uh, Dennis Anderson, Grave Digger, who now is retired, by the way, but I don't think you ever get away from the association of it uh, because you built it up so so well. Uh, Jacksonville loves Monster Jam. They love Grave Digger. Can you give us uh, your experience over the years in Jacksonville and coming to 
whether it's Everbank or now TIAA Bank, <laughs> all the different names of the stadium, where they would pack the place. <laughs> and even a couple years ago, it got so big that they decided to do a uh, back-to-back night show, I believe it was. Uh, what was it like performing in front of this Jacksonville crowd? It was, um, I'm going to tell you, it's, it was truly an honor, and, and my family still does it. But, uh, you know, those the fans take it, man. So it's like, it is like a big specialty outing for them once a year when Monster Jam comes. And if you ever rolled through underneath of the, you know, the, you know how the overpass goes around behind it, they had tailgating parties all down through there. The fans were so loyal to us, and they still are. Now, we just packing that place out, man. And I just, I made so many friends. And, you know, it was turning my fans into friends, and they have just, um, you know, they've just migrated over to my whole family of, you know, Adam and Ryan and Kristen, my daughter, too. But the um, the fans and the and the impact of what uh, Monster Jam and the fans pulled together in, in Jacksonville were, it was, it was phenomenal. It was unbelievable. Hey, what's up, Dennis? This is Austin Lane here, man. Just first, let me say it's a huge honor to talk to you. I grew up watching you in the late 90s. Uh, I'm not trying to make you feel old or anything like that, but I grew up watching you, and now my four-year-old son, uh, his favorite truck is Gravedigger. So um, it's crazy how the Gravedigger name has gone on from generations to generations, being the most popular monster truck. I find it so fascinating that the most popular monster truck really of all time is one of the most ultimate underdog stories, and the fact that the truck was originally built to compete in mud, mud bogging. Uh, can you just kind of quick share the story of how Gravedigger came to fruition and just how, uh, you know, it's progressed over the years? Yeah, and, you know, it was it was never really a goal, uh, goal in life. So it was not even monster trucks when I was a kid. And the first one out there was Bigfoot, and he was the guy that I was after. But before he, I even started to chase that guy, I worked on a farm, a big farm operation with these really wealthy people, and one of the sons, his father owned the operation. He would always pick on me about my junked-up old trucks and stuff like that because I was always <laughs> working on them. And so I told him with a few choice words. We got into a mouth fight one morning. I said, Gary Todd, I'll take that junk and dig your grave. And I took a can of spray paint and sprayed grave digger on the side of the doors, and I kicked his butt that Sunday in a local mud hole in front of everybody, <laughs> and I've been the grave digger ever since. Uh, that's awesome. And, and it's crazy, too, because, you know, you talk about monster trucks from the progression of It started out kind of just like as a sideshow attraction, and now you've seen what, it, what it's grown into. It's all across the country, sold out football stadiums and whatnot. Across the globe. Across the globe. I mean, did you ever imagine that monster truck driving would be this big, and where do you see it heading in the future? No, I never, we, we never had a goal, man. I don't think none of us did back in the day. Like you said, you know, we would just, we would do exhibitions at tractor pulls. We were the, we were the halftime act. And then it went from that to all of these competitions we were doing. And then I created the, you know, the freestyle competition that people love. It's kind of the grand finale of the show. And, um, and then, you know, it just, uh, you know, it evolved from that to now we have trained uh, athletes that are in these trucks. You know, we have Monster Jam University, and just in the last five years, the uh, you know, just all the technical driving and the skilled driving has gone so far that it's uh, and, and it's still going. They're just elevating the game, you know, and it's like 
to me, it was like me watching guys on skateboards a long time ago when they had steel wheels. They didn't do nothing but pop them back and forth <laughs> on the sidewalk. Yeah. And now look at what kids do with them. Well, now now all of these, you know, the young athletes that are coming up now, look at what we're doing with monster trucks, the moonwalks, the, you know, balancing two-wheel wheelies and the cross threads and the backflips. All of the cool stuff, man, it's, uh, it's unbelievable, you know, until you come there and you see it in person. And that's what I like about this World Finals because they're bringing all of those tricks and all the cream of the crop, the athletes that are dominating out there right now. And they're going to pull them all together and they're going to have a showdown throwdown with all of them here in Orlando. That's awesome. It's coming up in May, uh, so a short time away. And uh, obviously, Dennis Anderson, Grave Digger, uh, doing a little promotion for that event. But uh, here with us on ESPN 690, just talking about the sport, the evolution of Grave Digger, the biggest name, biggest star in this sport. And I, I got to believe you still at times get an itch to get behind the wheel. Um, at least that's what I'm speculating. You seem to be staying in it because obviously you're still promoting it and you know how it's, uh, it's evolving. Uh, do you ever think about getting back in? And could you do some of the things these guys do today? <laughs> yes, I could. I could do some of those things. And, you know, and I got I, I was in a pretty in a pretty rough accident there a couple of years ago, and it kind of rushed me out of the seat, you know, which I've been there for 35 years and I'm happy on my 35th anniversary. Matter of fact, it happened there at Tampa, you know, when I was here in Tampa in Florida. But, um, and I haven't been back in a, you know, in a monster truck really getting down, throwing down, but I've drove out in the field, just feeling it out, testing some shocks and stuff like that. But, um, yes, I do. I have the urge. I didn't think that after my accident, I said, hey, enough is enough. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to watch the kids go and grow at it. And, um, but man, I have been craving it so bad the last, you know, especially the last year. I'm ready to get out and burn it down one more time. So, Dennis, I think the reason why you became so popular, especially with me as a kid growing up, was the fact that you were always full throttle. You know, either you would go out for a jump and maybe you'd crash like in the first minute or you would just put on the, the greatest performance of all time. So you always had like that full throttle approach to driving, which, you know, granted, there's some drivers that still have that to this day. But my question is, is did you ever have any pressure from the sponsors and whatnot to maybe ease up a little bit to maybe, you know, make those runs last a little longer as opposed to just going full throttle right off the bat? Well, not really. Some of the promoters would, you know, like, man, please don't come out and fall on your face or you know, break a wheel off or crash in the first jump, you know, because we're really, you know, we're saving you for the grand finale. And they were putting the pressure on me. As far as sponsors went, there was really no big corporate sponsors, you know, that was, you know, that was, that was tagged to Gravedigger. The biggest sponsor that I had for Gravedigger was my fans. Yeah. And they were the ones that I, I wasn't even worried about the sponsors, and I really wasn't worried about the, the promoters. I was worried about, you know, disappointing my fans. Then they bought that ticket. They come to see, you know, they want to come see Gravedigger burn it down, man, and I just wanted to make this thing get it around the field long enough to thrill everybody, and that, that was where the pressure came from. Dennis Anderson, Grave Digger, with us uh, here on ESPN 690. Okay, you're retired. What's retired life for you like? Uh, are you super active? You chilling out, fishing, hunting? Dude, what are you doing? <laughs> Absolutely none of that. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. That's what you're supposed none to do. I, I, retired, I retired to a bigger job, and that's just trying to keep everything going around my little compound there. 
you know, my little empire that I've built, uh, you know, on the Outer Banks with Digger's Dungeon, Digger's Diner. Got a little ride truck park there, and I play in the mud. I've got a new up-and-coming son that's going to be in, uh, you know, in the monster truck business here pretty soon, um, you know, and he's getting ready to turn 17. So I am playing in the mud with him just like I did all the other kids. And um, and so I have a I have a full time retired job. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I want you know you say kids, and that's what I think of when we talk to the Monster Jam drivers, you know, uh, Monster Truck drivers, and I think of that because I've been around the scene. I've done live shots on TV, or I've been to the event, and and you see the kids. I, I've got uh, a nephew that absolutely loves it. Uh, Austin just talked about his four year old. I mean, it, what is it like to sit in that vehicle? Or get out of that vehicle and just see a four-year-old, a six-year-old, a ten-year-old's eyes just light up when they see you in that truck. It's very rewarding. I got to say that, you know, and and it's because of of how we started and then and where we kind of are finishing up. And when I, and I say finishing, we'll never be finished, but you know, of, of what it's grown to and evolved to, it all started. You know, from the grassroots, it's it's a kids, it's a kids motorsport, something they can relate to because they're sitting there with a grave digger truck in their hand that they play with, and they get to talk to me, touch the truck, and do all of that, man. So it's, you know, the kids, it's it's amazing that you know I'm an older big guy that they come up to me like I'm Santa Claus. They yeah. love me, you know. <laughs> it's because of me playing with that truck. That's awesome. And, 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 and I love it, man. I have, and my truck has made me love kids. And, and I've always, it's always kept me as a kid, um, you know, in my mind and everything that I do, you know. And it's like if you can thrill a five-year-old kid and they love to come, guess who's got to bring a mom and dad? Okay, exactly. so that is, it's the grassroots, man, and that's, uh, and I tell my family that as I was, you know, going through training with my kids, you know, I said, you know, just remember, man, you remember where we came from and what started your dad is the fans, and it starts with the kids. You love your fans, and your fans will love you for the life of of your 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 job that you're doing, you know, and, um, and it's been, um, it's been a long ride for me, a good long ride. I used to sit back and go, you know, I'd run this course for five years and go, God, man, what am I going to be doing in five years? I'm going to be sitting here with five monster trucks, <laughs> you know, around the shop, broke down, <laughs> and nowhere to go. But it it isn't. It has never, never not slowed down for me. We got one more quick question for you here, Dennis. We'll let you go. Uh, so, you know, obviously you retired in 2017, but like, kind of like you mentioned before, it is a family affair in the Anderson house. Your son Adam drives the Gravedigger truck. Ryan's got his own truck going, and now your daughter Kristen has stepped up as well and, and started to drive the truck. Uh, so I guess from the perspective where you're sitting right now, I mean, what does it mean to you to watch your kids, number one, follow in your footsteps, but number two, also carry on that name, that prestige of the truck that you created? I just, I, I love it, man. You know, it, it is a brand that I created, and, and it was a fluke. I'm not even, I tell everybody, I'm not even that smart <laughs> to, 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 to sit down and make this big, long life game plan of this is where it was going to go. It, it was just a fluke. It happened. And for my kids to pick up my footsteps and go and do what they did, I swear I thought a part of my life, um, you know, with my family, to me, was not that great. 
it was because I was the dad that was out on the road. I was making all these other kids happy. And at home, my kids were growing up with their mother and going. I never went to their t-ball games. I never went to their school plays because I was on the road playing trucks 24-7 as hard as I could go. And I figured that, you know, there would be points in their life they'd be like, you know, we're not going to be like that. We're not going to go on the road. We're going to have a family. We're going to be normal, you know, and <laughs> they're not, they're normally just like me. You know what I mean? They, they've got, they got kids, their kids love everything that they're doing and, and it's happening, man. Just their life is a little better. I was going down a dirt road, so I paved it for them. So their life is, uh, is, is clean, is green. And these guys are, um, they're loving it, man. My, you know, my whole family is just totally into it. And don't get me wrong. It is a job. It's more of a job than people think, um, you know, just entertaining the fans and being the guy and being the man and being the, you know, the flagship truck. It is, there's a lot of pressure there, and I feel them. You know, I, I know it, and, and I used to, my, you know, my insides used to burn every night, you know, before I was getting ready to do a show and roll out and just hoping that I was going to satisfy Everybody, if I satisfied everybody out there, I was satisfied then. Yeah, well, you you got to always be on. You're right about that, uh, and you did a fantastic job of it, and you're passing down that legacy and, and still promoting the sport. Monster Jam coming up on May 10th and 11th at Camping World Stadium in Orlando, so go check it out. I know there's a bunch of Jacksonville Monster Truck, truck fans, and you can get out to uh, Monster Jam World Finals. Uh, XX, which means number 20. Dennis Anderson, you gave me an idea, by the way. We're just this kind of a new show, newer show. So if we're going to grow the show, I should get some monster trucks made with ESPN 690, start <laughs> handing them to the kids, and then mom and dad will listen to. <laughs> That's exactly right. You, you got it, man. <laughs> hey, we appreciate uh, all the advice and, and uh, all the stories, too. Good luck to you, and have some fun down there in Orlando. All right, man. Thank you, and thank all you listeners. I love you guys. I'll see you at the World Finals. Awesome. Uh, Dennis, Dennis Anderson, uh, Grave Digger. Uh, what a legend, you know? Yeah. Another GOAT. That's awesome, Wait, Ricky man. Carmichael. Exactly. Goat. Top of his game, man. Tom Brady, when are you calling in? Hey, Michael Jordan, when are you calling exactly, in? Exactly, man. Let's go. ESPN 690, hit us up. I mean, we start getting all the GOATs on, I might have to get a tattoo. Now we're talking. Coming up next, Jaguars linebacker Jake Ryan. Scheduled to join us. In fact, he's calling in now. So a quick timeout, and we'll hear from the new Jags linebacker up next on ESPN 690. You watch Action Sports Jacks on CBS 47 and Fox 30. Now Action Sports Jacks is on your radio. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and a jar in Levine Studios. Here's your host, Brent Martineau. Can't get to that Rennes pizza just yet, but they dropped oh, off some pie, and we're going to have some in just a moment. I, I know the other guys are eating it. Stuart Weber has made it in. Nick's having some. Hopefully Scott's having some. But Dennis Anderson just called in, and now we are uh, pleased to be joined by new Jaguars linebacker Jake Ryan, who is out in California uh, rehabbing that uh, torn ACL from a season ago. He'll be joining the Jags in their uh, off-season conditioning program coming up in April sometime. And he joins us on ESPN 690 right now. Brett Martineau along with former Jags player Austin Lane. Jake, uh, thanks for taking the time, man. Welcome to Jacksonville. How excited are you about uh, playing with this defense? I'm excited. You know, uh, it's a hell of a defense, and uh, I'm excited to be a part of it. I went down there about a week ago and met a bunch of guys and um, all the coaches and stuff. Unfortunately, the defense coaches were out of town, but uh, got to get a, get a glimpse into uh, the, the locker room and uh, everything down there, so... 
I'm pretty excited. Yeah, the Dom Capers obviously is the connection, right? Uh, 68-year-old Don Caper, Dom Capers hired back uh, by the yeah. Jacksonville Jaguars. Give me just a sense of your relationship, and is it as simple as you might not be in Jacksonville without Dom Capers, or are we, we kind of dramatizing that a little bit? <laughs> I don't know. You know what? That's, that wasn't up to me. Uh, but, um, you know, Dom's a great guy, great coach. Um, you know, I played outside linebacker um, my whole entire college career, and then my senior year I switched to inside. And, um, you know, the Packers like to bring in guys that uh, they like to develop, and Dom, you know, did a great job with me, uh, developed me into an inside guy. So, um, but Dom is a heck of a coach. Uh, he knows exactly what he's doing and uh, knows how to prepare a defense. Hey, what's up, Jake, man? This is Austin Lane here. So, we you play- not too bad, man. How you doing? Good. Good. So I understand that you're pretty good. Uh, I think you had a little gig in, uh, with, was it WIXX with, with the radio show back yeah. in Wisconsin? Yeah. yeah. So don't come for my job, all right, before I start asking questions here. Uh, <laughs> I, I actually won an award for that show. I bet, that's that's, uh, that's, that's kind of what wait I heard. A minute, wait a minute. What kind of award? Easy. Because we have hey, to hold Austin Brent, higher standards. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go and talk about that later. No, wait, 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 I want to find no, out what award. Okay. What kind of award is this? Well, I think it was just a talk show of the year award or something like that. Uh, we got yeah. We got to. We got to start entering awards now. That's the yeah, thing. yeah, exactly. And this segment might be on there. Yeah. Well, it's too bad Jake's going to be busy playing for the Jaguars and <laughs> have time to radio here. But anyways, Jake, I want to talk about playing in Green Bay a little bit. Obviously, with that Dom Capers defense, you ran predominantly a three-four, and you're at that middle linebacker spot. Just uh, from from Dom Capers' perspective, I mean, obviously he helped you, as you said, play middle linebacker and whatnot, and kind of adjust from the college game. But what does Dom Capers bring to the table? Able, not only as the guy who you know develops talent, but also just in terms of philosophy and coaching style. Yeah, you know, Dom is uh, Dom's not like a yeller. He's he's a you know do it this way guy, and he's very smart. He knows exactly what he's doing. Um, like I said before, he prepares you for the game very well. Um, you know, with tendencies, um, what they're going to do, and um, stuff like that. And he utilizes guys very well. You know, to what they do well. Uh, so some guys might not be good covering tight ends, so I'll put another guy on them and um, stuff like that. So um, I think he's going to be a tremendous addition. Jake Ryan with us, a new Jaguars linebacker acquired in free agency just about a week ago, comes over from the Green Bay Packers. And how difficult was last year for you with the ACL? I think that's always a tough deal. We see guys in the locker room have for years, and it's it's just a tough, tough thing, especially when you know you're yeah. not coming back. And can you give us a progress report at all uh, about when you think you might be ready for the 2019 season? Yeah, I mean, I've been doing uh, pretty much everything, you know, running, cutting, uh, all that stuff. You know, that's up to, up to the uh, doctors and, uh, you know, the training staff with the Jaguars. Um, but, yeah, in uh, Green Bay last year, yeah, I actually tore it. Tore my ACL three days into uh, minicamp. Uh, it was not fun. I knew exactly uh, when I did it, too. I was like, oh, here we go. Not this again. Yeah. Um, but it's actually my second one, so I knew right when uh, it had happened. And um, I just had to prepare mentally because <laughs> it's a long, long road of just treatment and rehab and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, I had a decision to, you know, go out to California to use my PC out in California or stay you know, with the guys in Green Bay and, um, you know, the NFL atmosphere is you, you want to be around the guys in the locker room and um, be around the coaches, be around football. And 
you know, not that I, you know, I couldn't play the game, but I, I like to, you know, sit in the meetings and kind of, uh, you know, get a gist of the defense and um, all that kind of stuff. You kind of want to stay, you know, where you're at, just to, you don't, you, you know, so you don't lose a year of football. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. I get it. Uh, Eddie, because you've done this before, are you are you more cautious on how long you maybe take to come back, or or something else you might have done in the rehab process? Is there anything that you, I guess, learned you know, from the first time around that you you took with you here? Honestly, uh, just be patient with it. My first time, I kind of you know it's college, so you want to get back as fast as you can, and um, sometimes that's not the best. And you know, I, I came back from my first ACL after seven months and started playing in games, um, which probably wasn't the smartest decision. Granted, I did pass a physical, did all my stuff, did all the tests and whatnot, but I had a big brace on and, uh, you know, my knee was taped and all that stuff. Um, but I think patience is probably the biggest thing right now just because, you know, you have to get over that hump of the, the mental aspect of it. Um and I think coming off my first one, I was kind of timid, you know, going into games and stuff. Mm-hmm. But my second one, you know, I'm, I know it's stable. I know, uh, you know, my um, my ligament is good. I know my knee is, the structure is great. Um, got my MRI, looked perfect. So um, I know the structure is good, and, you know, I'm doing all my stuff right now, and I'm still just going day by day with my rehab and my plan that I have. Jake, back in 2017, you were second on the Green Bay Packers in tackles. Um, you were praised for your run-stopping abilities. I always say, especially a middle linebacker, in order to stop the run, yes, you have to have technique and whatnot, but you also have to have that attitude, that chip on your shoulder. Is that kind of what you bring on the field a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, that's that's the fun in being an inside linebacker. You get to hit, hit some people, and you get to go against uh, 325 pound linemen coming straight downhill. So. Um, but, yeah, I, I would say that's probably the strength in my game is my, you know, the run stopping. But um, I think you also have, have to have vision of, you know, what's coming in and um, vision of the whole entire field. Of, um, maybe there's a tight end off the ball and he's coming back and stuff like that. So um, there's a lot that goes into it. Well, and the, like you said, I mean, you're known more as a run-stopping linebacker, but does that kind of drive you crazy for the fact that, I mean, are, are you trying to improve in the pass coverage as well so you can be a complete inside linebacker? Because I feel like as a player, you, you kind of want to be an all-around player, correct? Of course, of yeah. course. And that's what it is in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're not going to get very far if you can't cover the pass. And, uh, uh, but that's one thing I've been trying to improve on my game uh, is, is uh, covering the pass. And, um, you know, my, my strength, uh, I think when I was with Dom, was covering the tight end and um, doing stuff like that. So I uh, just want to keep on moving forward with that. Jake Ryan with us, uh, new Jaguars linebacker, comes over from Green Bay, uh, former Michigan Wolverine as well, and coming off ACL uh, injury and, and hopefully be ready in, to go in 2019 and really contribute to this fantastic defense. You know, it's funny, I, we were going to have you on, I started thinking about it, like Mike Peterson, Good linebacker for the Jags. Daryl Smith, mm-hmm. underrated, fantastic linebacker for the Jags. And obviously, Paul Puzlozzi. I mean, this team has had some really good linebackers over the years. And now, Miles Jack and Telvin Smith. Telvin Smith coming off a of Pro Bowl a couple years ago. Miles Jack, uh, Coach Marone just said it at the owners' meetings this week, said he can do uh, every position he can excel at. So it brings me to kind of like, I, I don't think it's the elephant in the room. It's really the curiosity we have is, 
How are you guys going to all fit together? <laughs> I know you haven't got in there yet. And I know you haven't even been on the yeah. field together. But it, it seems like you're versatile because you can play the strong side and the middle. Uh, Miles has obviously played both, and I think he could even excel on the weak side. Telvin's probably penciled in on the weak side from being from a versatility standpoint. Can all can you can you find the field with all three of you guys enough and keep all of you happy? Hey, I'm 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 hoping that's the situation. Um, you know, but I'm not here to get any give anything away and all that stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm just trying to come in and help out as much as I can. You know, I, I missed a whole year of football, and um, I just want to come play the game again and get in there and help. And if it's on some of the special teams, and then then why not? But um, would love to get on there on defense and help help the crew out. Honestly, yeah. Do you when you decide to come over here? Do you watch tape on those guys? Have you already watched tape on those guys? Do you know a lot about their games and 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 even this defense in general? Maybe the guys that are playing in front of you, Marcel Darius or Unai Kingakwe, Calais Campbell. How, how much homework do you do when you're a free agent yeah. and making a decision? I mean, honestly, you watch film on every single team during the season. Um, even when you're bored, you know, you're just watching film on, you know, comparing yourself to guys to see what they're doing and what you can do better. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm watching that they're, I mean, it's a tremendous defense. It's, I think we have the most talent in the league, honestly. Um, and our line, the linebacker core is fantastic, and they know exactly what they're doing, and they're athletic guys. So, um, like I said, I just want to come in and uh, contribute and try to help them out as much as I can. Jake Ryan, new Jaguars linebacker with us. All right, I got to ask you the question from your Green Bay time. I mean, Green Bay is a, a, a magical place in the NFL and, and Lambeau. And uh, just give us a sense. Uh, people in Jacksonville, I've never been there. Uh, and I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that have never been there and others that have and know all about it. But we read all about it. We see it. Two things. Lambeau Field, what is it like playing uh, for that franchise and in that stadium? And two, how good is Aaron Rodgers? Lambo, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like you said, Lambo's a magical place. You know, it's one of a kind. Um, and to get the full experience, you need to go in December. And that's yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's that's a fact. And I, I tell that to everyone. Everyone's like, oh, I don't want to. I don't want to go to a game in the cold. Like I want to. I want to do it in the summer. I'm like, no, you got to get the full experience. You got to go in December. Um, but it's a. It's like you said, it's a magical place and. Um, just filled with tradition, you know. Tons of guys have run through that tunnel, uh, come out of that tunnel, and the locker room special. It's just a special place. Um, as far as Aaron Rodgers, um, going against him in practice was hell. Uh, he uh, <laughs> he will look you off for about ten seconds one way, and then throw a ten yard in the other, the opposite direction. Um, Aaron is one of the most talented quarterbacks I've ever been around in my entire life. Um, one of the smartest people I've ever been around in my whole entire life. He'll know exactly even though it's just practice, he'll know exactly, he'll, he'll, he'll start calling out my calls before I do them. Wow. Um, on, on place. So I know he has it every single day, but it's just that, that mentality that he goes into the game with and, um, you know, like I said, he is one of the smartest human beings I've ever met. And, um, Great person, great player, and hell of a quarterback. All right, Jax, I got to ask you. I grew up an hour away from Green Bay, so I have connections. And okay. I have it on good authority that one of your nicknames, and for uh -oh. the sake of standards and practices, I'll I told you this bit. might be coming, Jake. 
It's it's Charlie Efferound. Now I should pre- I should preface this oh, saying that, that my D line coach second. when I started Hold playing, on, on, Bears, keep it clean. Hang on. So my D line coach when I played for the Bears once called me and the second string defense lo- the d- defensive line Charlie and the Efferound gang. So my question to you is, how did you get the nickname? Who is Charlie and why is he effing around? <laughs> <laughs> so Aaron had a bunch of nicknames for me. Um, I couldn't even tell you all of them. <laughs> but, um, you know, I went into the uh, training t- training room uh, one day, and, you know, I was probably hitting that rookie wall and just was like, oh, my God, this is just dragging on. Um, and I think I was just messing around in the training room, and Aaron and one of the trainers, uh, Nate Weir, were just – they gave me the uh, – because I wasn't, I wasn't talking that day either. I was just, like, pissed. And <laughs> – so they called me Charlie Chaplin, and then they went with, you know, F around. F around. So uh, that, that, that's how it originated, but uh, I am Charlie no more. That was a uh, rookie year. Okay. Hey, by the way, I think, I think I'd rather be Charlie F around than Charlie Chaplin. But I feel that's like Charlie, Charlie F around is like a so universal too. thing, and I'm wondering where I, it came I, from. I like, is it from so a TV too. show or something? So I have no idea. <laughs> Interesting. Hey, we're gonna, I want to keep you for a couple more. I know we've probably gone longer than we even promised you, but uh, this is fun. Thanks for hanging out with us on ESPN 690. Yeah, Jake Ryan, uh, Jaguars linebacker with us. So you you do photography. Middle linebacker and photography doesn't seem to add up to me. But uh, Jake Ryan dot photography on Instagram, and I'm checking it out, man. And, and you're good at this stuff. Is it just a hobby? Did you study it a little bit? What's the deal with you and um, photography? Yeah. So like out of college, I kind of I don't know. I just kind of wanted to get into it and bought my uh, first camera and just fell in love with it. And um, for for all the photographers out there, it's it's, it's addicting. It's once you get a good shot and um, you put it on paper and you print it out and all that stuff, it's just like wow, I actually like this is actually kind of cool and um, you just keep on want to get it, you want to get better shots and better shots and um, go from there. But I kind of started about five years ago and it kind of just turned into uh, something. I just kind of took classes on YouTube and um, went from there and. I'm actually messing around with some long exposure pictures now where you kind of have to have filters and stuff like that. So um, that's where, like, you see the, you know, the waves that, like, look like mist or going over a bridge and you see, like, the lights of the cars that are, like, in a street, um, stuff like that. But, yeah, I know, kind of kind of different, but I just I kind of like going to just different cool places and take as many cool pictures as I can. Um, I love, like, wildlife and just uh, landscape photography, honestly. Yeah, I like uh, I like the creative side of you. Jake Ryan.photography uh, on Instagram. And, by the way, I do this thing on social media here in Jacksonville, and you can, you'll can you see a lot of good sunsets. So it's called hashtag Battle of the Sunsets when you see a good one around here uh, in northeast Florida. So I think you're going to chime. You have to join the Oh, Join the I'll contest, and you probably can yeah, win. I'll send them in for sure. Because <laughs> we just use the Hopefully. iPhone, man. <laughs> we don't get too intricate on it. Uh, you, you mentioned you like uh, wildlife. You're big hunting and golfing, I've heard. You've come to the right spot uh, for that. I know. And for both of them. Well, I've heard. And how much do you want to play the 17th at TPC Sawgrass if you haven't already? I know. I need to. I need to get on that course uh, very fast. And I think the, the first time I golfed was about two weeks ago, just because of my knee and everything. I kind of took it took it light for a while, but uh, I need to get get back into it. I think I was at like a nine handicap when I 
when it was all said and done. That's not bad. Knee injury. Not bad. Yeah. All right, Jake, yeah. man, I have, I have one more question for you real quick here. You're known as a big Star Wars fan, as am I. I wore a Chewbacca onesie to The Force Awakens, so don't ever question my fandom, please, anybody. But uh, this next question I'm about to ask you is going to determine if you come back on the show or not, if we're going to have you back. Oh, right? my. Wait, Star, where'd you get Star Wars fans? Did I say that? No, you didn't I say mean, that. I mean, I love Star Wars. I love Star Wars, but okay. Where, you, yeah, where did you find I didn't see that, by the way, in my research, so I don't know like where I say, got Jake, it. I have sources in Green Bay. Okay, that's all I'm saying, <laughs> man. Oh, my God. Here I have sources in Green Bay, but uh, give he me your expert. <laughs> give us your expert critique of The Last Jedi. Yay or nay? Yay. Yay? Yeah. All right, Jake. It was great to have you on, man. <laughs> Good luck in your career. I hope everything works out for you. Uh, we'll, I guess we'll I'm not coming back. You, but, uh, yeah, you're not going to be coming hey, back on this show. Listen, I'm not a big Star Wars fan. I'm more into winning awards on radio. And since you're award-winning hey. on radio, you're more than welcome anytime. Very easy. You ain't taking my job, though. <laughs> hey, Jake, we, we appreciate you checking in with us, man, and look forward to meeting you in person uh, when you when you get back for off-season conditioning and hopefully a, a, a big and healthy uh, 2019. Thanks for joining us, bud. Of course, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, All right. Jake. Jake Ryan, uh, yeah, Jaguars. Uh, you too, Jaguars linebacker, uh, added in free agency. A lot of fun, man. Uh, he's, Whoa. He's, a, he's, a, he's kind of a cool cat, right? No, he's, he's a really cool cat. Up but until the Star Wars yeah, part. Yeah, well, he, he was a fan of The Last Jedi, and unfortunately <laughs> I can't co-sign on that. So it was great having him on. He won't be on the show again as long as I'm working here. So I hope, I hope he has a great career. Well, we'll see. Hey, you, you can go to the movies with someone else. I'm going to play golf with Jake. All right, fair enough. <laughs> we're going out to the stadium course, and we're playing the 17th but uh hey that's that's fun I, I always enjoy this part of it you know i think that's fun part about free agency is learning some of these players mm-hmm. you know again we never pretend to know the players like oh yeah i know that guy exactly i mean we spend time with these guys in the locker room maybe and and on away trips and you get to know them if they're around a while and you kind of feel like you know them but when the new guys come in you kind of wonder how they'll fit in it's a puzzle piece, man. It's just as much a part of it, right? Personality-wise, hunger-wise, how much they care about the game. Uh, we've heard the execs and the bosses say that down there at Jags headquarters many a times. Sounds like he's one of them. It sounds yeah. like that's going to be an easy fit inside that linebacker room, inside this defense, and you just hope he stays healthy. Yeah, great personality. You know, I mean, the reason I got so much information about him is I had some friends that actually that work with the Green Bay Packers in terms of like broadcasting and the radio and stuff. So I kind of reached out to them knowing that Jake was going to come on today and just say, hey, do you guys have any you know good things I can <laughs> and I can ask him? And obviously, uh, you know, they they provide me some information. So from that perspective, yeah, great personality, and it's kind of like he touched on the fact that. He's kind of like a throwback middle linebacker in the fact that he plays with intensity because it's like I said before where I feel like playing in coverage and stuff, you know, that's more of a, I don't want to say finesse, but but it's more of just, you know, it's it's the coaching and it's using your tools and whatnot, but stopping the run, especially at middle linebacker, it's all about attitude. It's, it's all about want to, and, and I think Jake Ryan has that in spades, obviously, because um, that, that was his big thing in Green Bay. So I think if you can get the other piece of it where, in, you know, going into coverage, covering that tight end, maybe running back every once in a while, I think the Jacksonville Jaguars might have got a special linebacker. Yeah, it'll be good. And adds to a, a, a roster. You know, it, it was something. Mike P., right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Daryl Smith. Paul Puzzle. I don't think it's a celebrated position in Jacksonville. But if you start looking back at recent memory, that's some really good players yeah. at the linebacker spot. And this, again... The du- nobody doubts how the duo is talented here, Telvin Smith and Miles Jack. The depth has always been lacking a little bit. And it's hard to get depth at the linebacker position. They're mostly special teams guys. 
but uh, add Jake Ryan in, the healthy Jake Ryan, and you like what you see on that linebacking core. And you know what they're adding to a Jake Ryan? They're adding competition. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what you want. And versatility. And Again, versatility. guys can play in multiple positions. Hey, when we come back, we go back to Gainesville, and we will hear from C.C. Jefferson on Jawan Taylor. You want to hear what he had to say about him. I think you're going to like it, and you might want the Jags to pick him seventh because of it. It's next on ESPN 690. You watch Action Sports Jacks on CBS 47 and Fox 30. Now Action Sports Jacks is on your radio. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and a jar in Levine Studios. Here's your host, Brent Martineau. So I'm watching on, my wife is texting me. Because Ty is playing his first uh, golf match ever. Middle school golf match happening. So he's out there messing around. And uh, then she sends me a picture of this. Look at <laughs> She's like, ah, her, going for a little her thing is route. A little bit of trouble. I'm oh, like, take oh a dear. drop. <laughs> take a drop. Is he in somebody's backyard? <laughs> it looks like he's in someone's backyard. And, uh, Today's she, word is mulligan. Yeah. She writes back, she says, nope. Your kid is a loose cannon. <laughs> I like it, man. Uh, I got a feeling this one's going to turn throttle. into a lofty score. There's nothing wrong with that little full throttle. I think Dad's going to have to play Work a little psychiatrist tonight. Work for Grave Digger, man. He's a loose cannon. I like might, it. Might just have to play another round with you and regain his confidence. <laughs> yeah, very well now said. we're talking. Hey, thanks to Rena's Pizza for stopping by and uh, brought some pie. And they actually brought a special gift. For you, Austin Lane. Oh, what do we got <laughs> here? Dun, dun, dun. I feel like Stuart might have spoiled it, but what do we got? <laughs> yeah, You're yeah. welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Smells good. Yeah, that's, uh, is everybody seeing this right now? Like, and, and I would throw it in the garbage if I could, but I'm not going to do that to because it looks delicious, but there's pineapple on it. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a no for me. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, not that pizza, but we got pepperoni out there, a little cheese, and I'll take care of the pineapple and ham. I, I mean, I'm... I know you're not a big fan of the well, pineapples. I'm not, I'm not a fan of the pineapples, Brent. I'm not a fan of you putting that pineapple pizza in my face. Yeah. Thanks to my I'm man, Mike. I'm disrespect. I said, Mike, you got to do me a favor and make me a small pizza, pineapple, and ham just for Austin. Brent, it's all I'm going to say is strike two, man. All right? You are on strike two right now. Fifth and ice, sir. He's a good two strike. Good strike. Two I'm strike hitter. Fantastic two strike hitter. Well, you you're, you're strike behind the count. And you've got no curveball. I'm just saying, you're behind on the count right now. Yeah. First He'll, day on the board, and I walked into a baseball fight. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> He'll foul a bunch off. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to get the new bats, the DeMarinis. <laughs> <laughs> you can have one of the old wood bats or something like that. But um, yeah, seriously, thanks to Renna's Pizza. Uh, there was some pepperoni, by the way, and cheese, and, and, and I think a margarita, another kind of margarita oh, pizza. Margarita. I'm supposed to go wrestle tonight. I got wrestling so practice. What, dude? You burn it off. Well, yeah. I'm supposed I'm, to hey, be on Brent, a diet, Trust too. me, I'm not worried about burning it off. I'm worried about sitting in my stomach when I'm wrestling uh, and throwing just, up all over the place. No, nah, no, nah, you won't. It won't yeah, happen. Yeah, you're, it you're, just you're the ice so, man. And by you, the way, you know exactly what's going on. It tastes so here. good that it's worth it. Okay. I don't, there I don't you know go. if it'd be worth it. Well, then yeah, it's worth it. Well, then I might put that to the test. If we'll it's worth it, the you, next just, break. you just bring a box with you and you, you eat it after the rest. Well, that I might just take some to go. Too. I might just take some to go, actually. There that would go. be the smart way. I'm to not going to share, obviously. Do you like cold pizza? Uh, I, I like all pizza besides pineapple. <laughs> yeah. Well said. I do like, uh, I, I like cold pizza. Like, I would actually rather have cold pizza the next day, then heat it up. Okay, that's that's a little aggressive. No, seriously, I mean, in the microwave? Are you a sociopath, sir? No, I'd rather have cold pizza. How do you... I mean, like, I don't mind cold pizza, but if I have the option, there's a microwave in front of me. I'm going to microwave it. I'm going to nuke it. Nah, I'm not. 
Okay. Now, you, if you toast it, maybe kind of like, or, or put it in the oven and kind of warm it up that way. Yeah. Maybe, but n- put it in the microwave. I'd rather have it cold. Okay. See, I don't like it cold though because then the crust gets hard. Like maybe room temperature. That's fine if you want. I'm just saying I do not mind, and I will eat and um, unapologetically eat cold pizza. Even Spon- the crust? Sponsored beside, yep. obviously, oh. Renna's Pizzas, you know, top pizza in Jacksonville. Well, I'd rather so. have Renna's Pizza uh, but, but I'm saying, like it is now. But I'm saying the best pizza you ever had, besides the pizza that we're eating right now, where would it be? Uh, probably back home in Rhode Island but or New York, and this is New York-style pizza at Renna's. Yes, Rennes. it is. So... Uh, but actually, you know what? You know the New York pizza that you try, like in you know, like they're open till like three in the morning. Mm-hmm. Severely overrated. Well, I think it's like a bar closed kind of pizza where you don't sure. really pay attention Late to, the, night. to the flavor because you're yeah, yeah, I'm talking about like the stomach. shots. You know, we've been in them yeah. after we get off at midnight or whatever. There's one right by my girlfriend's apartment, uh, which I sampled this last trip up there. Uh, One dollar slices, and you get it in like thirty seconds. It's a beautiful thing. I mean, you can't go wrong with yeah. that. But it's not going to be like the best pizza you've ever eaten. No, but it was a dollar. A so, dollar, you know, in New York City. That's tremendous. Yeah. Price, quality, service, pick one. Yeah, we had a place. Exactly, we can't have it all. You know, we had a place, uh, see, at home, there was a place called Tommy's Pizza um, and like Caserta's Pizza. Those are big ones in Rhode Island growing up. And I think uh, pizza is a little bit like that. It's kind of like where you, you know, where you grew up and, and what around. Um, but I'm not really that picky. What I don't like, honestly, uh, I'm really not a big fan of anymore. Deep dish? No, is just oh. the cha- like the chain pizza, like Pizza Hut and Domino's and all that. Yeah, I didn't want to mention them all, but thanks. Well, um, <laughs> just in case they were going to sponsor you or something. Dude, I'm, I'm a big Pizza Hut guy, man. So I'm not. I'm. I'm going to promote them all day. You're backpedaling. Okay, um, but no, seriously, I don't like. I don't eat that pizza that much anymore. Okay. I'd rather get it. I mean, from Rennes. Rennes, or yeah. Okay, that's, that's cool. I mean, Pizza Hut invented the stuffed crust, so I'm always going to roll with them. Since day one, I've been rolling with them. So. There you go. Until I die, Brent. Until right. I die. That's a strong Where did we stance. Go? Yeah. Well, it's stuffed crust Here pizza. Here we are. Yeah. Oh, I was going to call you Coos because you're pissing me off. Sorry, Stuart. <laughs> 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 no, 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 no. That's kind of like my fallback awesome. where if someone's making me upset, even like my son or my wife, I just call them Coos. Yeah. That's uh, accurate. <laughs> it's all good. Very good. Uh, let's talk the Gators a little bit. Sure. Whoever is yeah. in here, not just talking about Renna's Pizza, but other I had things. my pizza and... Uh, Gator chomping on the pizza. Sure. It was there good. Go. Had a couple slices. The... Uh, the Gator Pro Day, there's two things working with the Gators here. One, they've got a scrimmage tomorrow. Their spring ball continues. Uh, we'll get to that hopefully a little bit later. If not, we'll catch up with it tomorrow because that's when the scrimmage is. Uh, also, obviously, the Pro Day. We talked to Juan Taylor. We talked to Ja'Kai Polite. We talked to C.C. Jefferson Weber. Impressions today at Pro Day. We've been to a lot of these. Been to a lot of them. Um can't remember too many where I had a worse view of what actually was happening uh, during the course of the day. But, you know, it wasn't the original plan to have it inside the practice facility, but they have had it in there in previous years. Uh, they were going to do it at the Swamp yep. out at the Ben Hill Stadium. It's going to be open to the public. It's going to yeah. be open to the public. It uh, would have been uh, nice and convenient for us because we could get a little elevation for our shots with the tripod and get some good video. Uh, but that didn't happen, so we were kind of walled off from all the action uh, in this one. But with CeCe, I mean, you got to be excited about what lies ahead for him because he's always going to have that personality and that positivity that is going to keep him moving forward. And it's funny because we're looking at the video on the drive back and literally the first frame of video, he had this giant smile on his face. Last frame of video, 
giant smile on his face. And, and that's just the kind of guy he is and, and has been since uh, he played for the Wildcats at Baker County High School. I mean, he has always been a positive guy and a guy that, you know, carries that excitement into his game. Yeah, and he's fantastic in talking about his teammates. I'm telling you, he has a future in this business. Like, he really does uh, in talking NFL and analyzing NFL. Take a listen to what he says. First about Ja'Kai Polite. And, of course, with all the, the negative wave going against Ja'Kai Polite, big support from CeCe Jefferson, who's played alongside him for a few years now. And then about Jawan Taylor. And if you're not excited about the right tackle and the potential for a right tackle to land in Jacksonville, I think by the end of this 90 seconds, you might be excited about Jawan Taylor. Ja'Kai, to me, is the best pass rusher in this draft. You know, and there's some pretty good pass rushes in this draft. But the things that he do, man, the way that he's able to twerk his body, his get off, the way he's low, his 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 arsenal moves, man, it's just something that you you see like every every 15 years. He, he's one of those guys that's extremely rare. You know, he doesn't guys like him don't come around that often. So to have the chance, you know, to watch him work and practice, you know, hang out with him. You know, he's one of my best friends. To hang out with him, you know, watch him practice and then to see it to translate in the games. I'm extremely proud of him, man. He's one of the most hardest working guys I know. So. You see, you're good at the scouting report stuff, so give us one on Jawan Taylor. It looks like he could end up in Jacksonville. What, did Jacksonville pick? have the number one pick? Because that's where he needs to go. <laughs> man, but uh, that's a grown man. That's a grown man. That's the only guy I almost broke my wrist with when I punched. Like, his, his chest is like... Still, man. I don't. And how much does he weigh? Three hundred and fifteen pounds. Did you see him with his shirt off? He got a twelve pack, man. <laughs> like, come on now. This guy was made in the lab. But uh, hardworking guy, coachable. You, you're never gonna have to worry about him with off the field issues. You know, he's always gonna be on time. Gonna be accountable. And he's a great leader, man. He's he's not the rah rah guy, but he's a guy that's gonna lead by example. He does everything right, and he just works hard every day, man. And uh. I enjoy playing with him instead of playing against him, you know, because uh, he would have gave me a hard time. That's <laughs> C.C. Jefferson uh, from Baker County, Florida Gator, looking to make it to the NFL. But I tell you what, if he doesn't, if the football thing fizzles out, he's got a job as an analyst somewhere. I mean, I thought he was tremendous. Obviously, those are his guys. Sure. But I still think he gave you some really good insight from a football standpoint on why. I, I tell you, I, I thought we got done talking to C.C. Jefferson, and I was like, well, he was way better than Dan Mullen was on those guys today. I mean, Mullen, you're asking why this guy's going to be so good at the NFL. He's like, well, he, he, he didn't really say much. <laughs> I mean, uh, C.C. Jefferson nailed it from a pass rushing standpoint on Ja'Kai Polite, and then I think he gave you some personality traits with Jawan uh, Taylor there and gave you a little bit more of an excitement level if the Jags do land a guy like this, again, I get it. It's got the Gator goggles attached to it, but I thought it was pretty good insight from CC. You get excited about it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, from, I, I was going to say, either you could be an analyst or you could be a promoter because he, he, <laughs> yeah, he, he actually did a great job of promoting. I mean, the thing that I heard was obviously the hand balance uh, coming from Taylor, which is something that uh, it doesn't get talked about a lot when you're talking about scouts. It wasn't me. I mean, I mean, basically, so listen, in the trenches, I mean, plays happen in, in a split of a second. And your punch and your hand violence dictates exactly, um, you know, just how much explosiveness you have, how much you can knock the guy back. Because it's all about the hand violence. I mean, granted, it helps to have a good lower body and you got to be strong and whatnot. But that initial pop, that initial hand violence, 
that's what's going to set you apart from everybody else. So if he's talking about that, and I'm not sure if he was told to say that, but if he's talking about that already, um, that's a good sign because that's not something that you know gets revealed that scouts is looking at. But hand balance is super important on the defensive and offensive line. Interestingly First enough, I've never heard of, that was a thing. Yeah, yeah. well, that, again, I a mean, term, you're talking yeah. inside those trenches. Sure. I think so, it's just it's without the ball, you don't see that stuff. And and I'll say it over and over, and I'm not afraid to say it. I, I just don't think people know what good and bad is in the trenches from, uh, from you know, unless they see a guy get a sack or unless they see a guy just whiff and give up a sack. It's really hard to tell. And, again, I know what you're saying out there. I can see it. I know it. Well, if you played the position, maybe you know a little bit more about it. I'm talking casual fan has really no idea if a guy's good in the trenches or not. So, for instance, and I probably should have broke this down during the combine, just it kind of came to me right now, but there's a drill that, and I'm sure you guys saw it at the combine for defensive linemen. I think even offensive linemen did it, where basically you, you kind of stand with your feet straddled apart and you punch down, you punch up, you, you, you uh, trail down the line. So when you see that drill, one would think, well, you want to do that drill as fast as possible because, you know, you, you punch down, punch up, punch down, punch up, go down the line. I think it's like 10 yards. You go down and you go back, um, you know, and you're staying horizontal the whole time. Well, that's not actually the truth. What coaches are watching for, what scouts are watching for, they're watching for your punch. So they're not watching for how fast you can finish the drill. They could care less about that because who really cares about how fast you can finish the drill where you punch down, punch up? That's not important. What's important is the hand balance. So that's what they look for is hand balance in tight spaces. Pretty good stuff. There, there you go. go. There's yeah. your scouting Learning report today. That's really why you're here. I know. I, I, I understand. Yeah, good job. And here I thought we want to talk wrestling and MMA, but it's just about the the, the combine drills. No. Right, we got some Monster Jam in today. We did get some Monster Jam in. Dude, yeah. I was excited for that interview. Did you tell? <laughs> I love it. I love when you get excited. That was my about childhood right You there. got excited about Ricky Carmichael. Yeah, excited man. about Dennis Anderson. I like yeah. that. I mean, yeah. I'm excited too, but like, I could tell you were excited. I was jacked. Uh, that's pretty good. Uh, when we come back, I'm on a little balling and falling quick. We got to get to stay in your lane. And I'm going to eat some pineapple pizza and also need a social media break. More on that on ESPN 690 next. Hey, this is Dennis Anderson, the driver of Grave Digger, the baddest monster truck in the land. You're listening to Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. You know what? You're right. It's better than Coos. Way better than Coos. <laughs> I mean, the guys were still on the show. Was coming. We, give alert. Up we, we did that MVP this morning, but anything, Oh, you did it this morning. <laughs> oh. Hey, well, so, hey, by the way, the fact that you were thinking about that gives me a good feeling inside. Right. I mean, this morning, he said he was working on the show this morning? Yeah. Taking initiative? Wow. Rookie mistake. I'll, I'll try to get better. Oh, no, dude, you're, you're, you're good, man. Do you, I mean, you have a podcast that you need us to push or no? Yeah. <laughs> Religiously, like every single day, like every hour? Uh, it's awesome, Goose. I love you, man. These guys, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, one I, of I us. think it's pretty genuine on their part, but I love you. Okay, I guess the next question, last question for you for the day. Have you seen the new Spider-Man? Uh, the new... Um into, Into the, the Spider-Verse? Spider yeah. I have not. Okay. Oh, okay, man. but at least he Just, didn't admit that it was bad and okay, then say he didn't see it. Good, good. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a good point. <laughs> I mean, if, if you would have said yes, I would have given the job right now. What I'm really I'm not uh, capable I'm, of doing I'm sorry, that. it's not part of the MCU, so it's got to wait. It's oh, got to wait a couple more weeks. The brother's got priorities. I like that. What does that even mean? Oh, Marvel oh, Cinematic Universe, Brent. Oh, so much to learn. So much to learn, Brent. Do you know they're actually hiring somebody to watch all the movies in the MCU? I saw that. In like a four-day span. So like a yeah, it's me. It's yeah. you, yeah. yeah, yeah. In a like a so super marathon over four days or whatever. Wait, tell me more. About it. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, 
I'm going to do that just for uh, the weekend, but I'm not getting paid for it or anything. Yeah, cool. because the new Avengers is coming out. Yeah. Brent, we going? Um, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> so I guess I'm just going. But you I'll can. I'll come with me. Huckleberry. Nice, man. <laughs> nice. And I'll just uh, hope you Good enjoy it. Whatever yeah. you do, please, at least not today. Wait till Friday. Don't ask Scott about Star Wars and the whole Jedi thing because Jake Ryan got eliminated from the show. Yep. According to Austin because of that. So we really need you to produce the next... Scoop doesn't do impressions either. This guy's got everything. He's a Swiss Army knife. <laughs> I love it. Hey, Tiger Woods is one up over Aaron Wise. Who? Yeah, Aaron Wise. I have no idea either. Yet he just three jacked the hole and he, he they halved it with bogeys. They've got the uh, match play well, right according to, with the NCAA tournament. And uh, Tiger is playing on a Wednesday. And he's up by one through, like, 14 holes. Okay, so you don't know what MCU is. I don't know what three-jacked means. <laughs> three-putt. Okay, three-putt. Okay, gotcha. He won the Byron Nelson, by the way, last year. Aaron Wise. Uh, did he? Yeah. Yeah, Wise I man. mean, I've actually heard of him, but nobody else has. Sure. Uh, it's just because I like golf that I have heard of him. And um, just for future reference on this show, it'll be more important you learn what a three-jack is yeah. than an MCU is. You'd be surprised, <laughs> Brent. Stop <laughs> telling your audience, sir. Now, listen, on some of the other ones... <laughs> Or, or some of the other stations around here, it might be good to know MCU. Okay, but I'm here, just saying. Three-jack might be important. I've never heard of a three-jack <laughs> before. I'm sure it's a great uh, golfing term, but I have a feeling if I Google that right now, I'm not going to like what I find. Yeah, I'm telling you, phone, what you might so. not do, too, if you, have, if you get a three-jack, it doesn't mean you pull a hamstring. Okay, okay. <laughs> Jack 3D. So, I mean, start sponsoring the show. We mentioned him like, I feel like there's a Robert Kraft joke there. Yeah. Oh, no, he did that too. Oh, Dude, dear. You, uh, We've gone down Jack a rabbit 3D, hole. You think they're going to give us money to sponsor after you've ripped them left and right the next couple of days? I mean, I, I, feel like, I feel like we're the only ones giving them publicity anymore. I've never heard anybody else using it. Well, so if it's still going and if it's still a thing, how can't Miles Jack be the sponsor <laughs> of that? That's a good point. That um, is a good point. Even though if it, he if wasn't it, down. If it hurts hamstrings, then I hope he doesn't take it. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's go. Uh, a quick. How quick can we do balling and falling? Time me. Uh, all right, go. Go. All right, so Rangers shortstop Elvis Andrews. He's balling. Uh, he's having a viral sensation when it comes to his walk-up song. That song, of course, being Baby Shark. Apparently, he picked the song because of his son. And uh, there's no word on how long the song is going to last in his on deck or, uh, I guess, up to bat. Um, performance, but uh, props to him for having that song as his walk-up song. Uh, guys are getting creative. Guys are getting creative. My two favorites I'm going to mention, I'm going to share them on Twitter, and Brent, maybe you can retweet them. Do you know what Belfour Rage is from Oakland? Grant Belfour, he was a reliever oh. pitcher. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. So they used yeah. to have a thing called Belfour Rage, where when he would come out of the pen, they would play Metallica. And uh, like I said, I'm, I'm going to share that video. Brent, you can take it away from there. And then also Josh Reddick of uh, the, the, the Oakland A's as well, his Careless Whisper walk-up song. Um, it's a sweet video where there's a guy in a business suit that just came from work. is literally like pelvic thrusting to the song in the stands. So I'm, I'm going to share that video too. Two of the greatest baseball videos of all time coming from the Oakland Athletics. I feel like I need to um, ask you what would your walk-up song be. It's kind of like uh, obligatory good, right now. It's a good question. I feel like I would go James Brown, the boss. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I never really, uh, I always say, uh, I mean, just, I always say just for the heck of it, throw me up chicken fried. I'll, I'll walk up to that Zach Brown band. Okay. Zach Brown I don't band. think I have a choice, do I, as to what mine is apparently, since I have a walk up song for the show. I whip my hair back and forth. That's but good. That, that wouldn't be it. Uh, if I, if I picked one for athletics, it'd probably be Barracuda, a little heart. Ooh. Just a guitar riff off the top. All right. I like it. I wonder how much yeah, thought no, goes no. into those guys. 
It's got to be a little bit. Yeah, I mean, they got enough time on buses and planes. You right. might as well think about it a little bit. I've never really thought about it too, too much. Did you uh, see what they put on Twitter for Trout? Yeah. Money, money, money. Money, 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 money. <laughs> that was good. Uh, I think that one was played in. It was. It was edited. That was certainly edited in. It was a regular season game. But. Um, all right, my uh, ball, and I'm going to go with the Magic. We talked a lot about the Magic, set a record for local radio on uh, how much we talked about the Magic yesterday. And they got the win, man. They, they got off to a bad start, got the win, and now there's excitement in O-Town uh, for the Orlando Magic to uh, hopefully get in the playoffs. They are right now in, but there's still eight games to go or so or something like that. Actually, less than that. I think there's six games to go. And... They're in the driver's seat, and they can actually get up to the sixth hole in the NBA playoffs. But big win over the Miami. And I probably should give Ballin a little bit to uh, Chris Bosh because he got his number and jersey raised to the rafters. I mean, they're going to say goodbye to everybody, right? Uh, yeah. Obviously, Dwayne Wade in, in his final season. And Dirk. And, uh, oh, Dirk. Not for the Heat, but... <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, Dirk, too. So, so you got to the fall. Magic. Yeah, the Metro, the first thing I mentioned in the tease today when I opened the show. Did you really? So, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was yeah. listening. I was on my way up the stairs. Yeah, I know. I don't know what we're supposed to talk about that. No, I don't. Not anymore. Okay. I, I asked. I, I actually gave Austin an assignment because yeah. I had to pick up the car, and I was like, I might be a minute or two late. And I said... Shocking Martin development, by the way. <laughs> no, that would be the first around here. And I don't, even, I don't even think this would classify as being late. No, you're today. good, man. Uh, I, I literally walked up, like, in your opening sentence. Yeah. But, well, I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I got, got a few sentences in there. Opening I was, sentence. I was listening to it, was it the first breath. in the car in the parking lot as I saw the... the uh, <laughs> the, the, the silver truck go blazing oh, so by the parking lot. Maybe a couple, of, couple yeah. lines. I was watching and enjoying the what would ensue. But, right. uh, anyway, you did, I, the the quest for you was to open the show without saying that I'm not here. And I think you, Stuart, did you do it? Do it? Did a terrific job. There Thanks, you go. Man, I appreciate it. I was, I was listening you. and uh, and it was going very very smoothly. Nice. This and, nice. uh, and this is the start of something big. And then I it was just so. like a nice little toss right to Brent. Yeah. Right into the conversation. No, see, and I feel like Brent wasn't even. Like, I think Brent was just testing me a little the bit. I think he was downstairs the whole time. Just the, said he wasn't. The one here. issue <laughs> is that no. coming out of the open, it's Action Sports Shacks with Brent Martineau, and then Austin starts. It's gonna be with Brent. And Austin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe we're eventually I'm going to be part you of the know, team. Who we're knows? We'll work on that. We'll work on paychecks. We'll work on that. I'm sure. One day my name will be on the show. One day I'll get paid. Hey, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. Baby steps. Baby steps. His logo, his face is on the logo. Baby steps. Baby steps. I love it. But yeah, I mean, that's the most important part is that my face is on the logo. And that's all that matters. You can't take that away from me. That's going to my resume. Big bucks for that. Agent Apollo, by the way. And a polo. That's your first time. Uh, wait, Weber still doesn't have a polo. We're trying to get him one. Well, do you want a pen? I got a pen here for you. No, I don't need a pen. Okay, well. <laughs> All right. Go Fallen. Fallen. Uh, no joke intended, uh, uh, honestly, but Diamondbacks outfielder Steven Souza Jr. suffered a season-ending knee injury as he stepped on home plate and proceeded to tear his ACL, his LCL, and partially tear his PCL. Um, just a freak accident, literally just running home. Hit the plate, and for whatever reason, his leg just buckles, um, and he does like a cartwheel kind of thing, and then goes to the ground and starts screaming in agony. So, who was it? Didn't it happen to Kendry, Kendry Morales, I think it was, on a grand slam, and he jumped I, on I the plate? I remember the jumping up celebration. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it happened to him. I think it was Morales. 
By the way, if I got that, that's pretty good. Lee reaching back into the old dome. To yeah. get Kendry Morales. I'll your was. shoulder there. Yeah. I like that. So once in a while, listen, I'm going to tell you if I get a good pull. That would be a good pull if that's the guy. Uh, uh, Angel. would have known MCU. That would have been a good pull. That would have been <laughs> no, no. a Now, listen, I had a, good, a, I had a good pull in the car earlier today. Which Terrence Mann. That's right. Uh, Terrence Mann, not only a Florida State basketball player, but also the name of James Earl Jones' character in Field of Dreams. There you go. I would actually got that one. Right now, yeah. Weber didn't believe me, though. He thought oh, I was lying. He had to okay. Google it. Ter- okay. Terrence Mann is just stuck in my head now as the Florida State player. So I'm, I'm like, that can't be the same name. Yeah. I was off by it one was. letter. It but, was. Uh, did you think his parents named him Terrence under that guise? I don't know. That's a good call. I'm not sure. Wanted to be a baseball player? <laughs> I mean, that didn't happen, but, you know, he got too tall. Uh, my fallen uh, is the whole reason I teased I needed a social media break. How about Kingsbury again? He makes my fall in two days in a row. Uh, well, I guess we're going to have a little joint custody here, Brent, because we're going right into the stay in your lane segment as well. All right. So how about we do it when we come back because we got to take a timeout. And I'm going to give away some Tim Tebow Celebrity Golf Classic tickets when we come back. Uh, why don't we do it right now, in fact? 904-362-9901. 904-362-9901. You got to get out of here, Weber? Yeah, I got to go put together the rest of our show tonight. We got team coverage from Gainesville. We do. We're in Gainesville at 630. That's what we want the people at home watching. Magic of TV. Television magic. Magic of TV. We will be in Gainesville. That means there's one Huckleberry down in that sports office that doesn't even have to do much today. That's true. Yeah. Hmm. wonder who that is. Hmm. 650 on Fox 30. You can check it all out. And we got a little fallen and stay in your lane. Same topic. Get off your phones, people. Next on ESPN 690. Unless you're listening to the show. <laughs> you watch Action Sports Jacks on CBS 47 and Fox 30. Now Action Sports Jacks is on your radio. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anna Jar and Levine Studios. Here's your host, Brent Martineau. Welcome back on a Wednesday, everybody. Brent Martino along with Austin Lane. Scott filling in for coups, pushing all the buttons, answering the phone calls. Just gave away a four-pack to the Tim Tebow Celebrity Golf Classic coming up this weekend. Thanks to Palm Beach Autographs for uh, sharing those and sharing them with you. Hopefully you have a good time. Uh, celebrity golf event. Uh, they have a gala Friday night over there at TPC Sawgrass and then the event. On Saturday, I think uh, Dan Mullen will be a part of that. I don't have the guest list in front of me, but uh, usually a pretty good uh, amount of celebrities on the way. So uh, make sure you uh, stay tuned all week long, and we'll give away some more tickets coming up on the program tomorrow. All right, we uh, said it before we left for break. I had fallen, you had stay in your lane, both the same. And that is, I, I had fallen yesterday, by the way, Cliff Kingsbury, and here he is again. And I, I really don't have it on him as much as society, probably, and you dang football players. Do you really need it? Okay, break? and then this is perfect because actually the Kyle Kingsbury thing is actually at my pump your brakes about society. So this is perfect. Oh, so we flip it. We flip it a little bit. So you you go ahead and go first and kind well, of I don't, give I don't, your I don't, arguments. I think people may have heard the story. We had him on the updates today a little bit. And what he said at the NFL owners meetings is he did this in college, and he's going to bring it to the NFL where he gives – Every 20 to 30 minutes, he when he starts seeing the, the meeting room losing focus, he says, hey, go take a break, get your phones out, answer the wife, whatever, look on Twitter, see what Brent and Austin are saying. <laughs> <laughs> of course. And um, gives him a little bit of a social media break in the middle of meetings, which actually brought up two things for me. One, 
all right, that sounds ridiculous. Okay, I get it, but it just sounds ridiculous. Like, hey, Cliff Kingsbury, go back and watch yourself say this and then repeat it. Like, you know, I say that on Twitter sometimes. Like, somebody will tweet something or they'll misinterpret the way I tweeted something. And I'm like, go read it out loud, people. Read it out loud. And I think Kingsbury should probably read this out loud. But every kid in, or every guy in that locker room probably should, too, and be like, do we really need this? I mean, what is this, like babysitting 101 and not an NFL locker room? Yet, the same at the same uh, breath, I say, if you're telling me guys are starting to fade after 30 minutes in meetings, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, everybody's got short attention spans nowadays, probably more so than before. And on top of that, your meeting is probably too long. You oh, know, without a your doubt. meeting's too long. That's what happens. Uh, I had a coach tell me once, say, if you if you get NFL coach, I thought it was pretty interesting just because I don't really know it. I've, I've never lived it, and you might be able to speak to it. Mm-hmm. But he said, if you played in the NFL, there's a good chance your meetings are less or not as lengthy. If you did not play in the NFL, they're probably you meet too much and they're probably long. And the reason for that is. The guy that played in the NFL knows that he hated the damn meetings. And so he said, I know what it's like being a player. I understand you have to have a certain amount of meetings, but you don't have to do it as much and for as long. And it's it's defeating the purpose. And I thought it was a really good view. And somebody said to me, like, yeah, like I I I don't know if it was that they reshape like kind of it changed the way they thought about it or, you know, kind of like if they did it again type of situation. But. Number one in today's day and age, he's got a point where everybody is on to the next thing and can't keep their attention. Um, but number two, you probably shouldn't be in a meeting room and looking at the same stuff for more than 30 minutes anyway. I don't know what you're getting accomplished in the next 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes mm-hmm. after the initial 30. Agreed. Um, to get to that point, too, as far as you know, the, the meetings being too long and whatnot, I mean, so if you ever notice it in locker rooms, sunflower seeds are a big thing. And uh, so usually you have two things going into a training camp, especially in training camp. Because training camp, you know, it's the dog days of summer and whatnot. And that's when the, the meetings feel like they're the most mundane. They're the longest because um, you're going over and over of just, you know, play after play after play. And, of course, you have more people on the roster. So it's more film to watch because everyone has to get analyzed. So from that perspective, I mean, a way to stay awake, obviously some guys do coffee. I was not a big coffee guy. So either you do chewing tobacco or you do sunflower seeds uh, because those are two things that you can kind of do to keep moving a little bit. They can kind of keep your attention. Which one were you? And that helps you focus. Uh, if we're being honest, both of them. <laughs> yeah, being both of them for sure. I mean, I was always sure to have at least one one log of Grizz Green um, in, in the locker uh, for training camp and whatnot. But so from that point, yeah, I feel like, yes, the meetings are a little too insane, too crazy, too long. But uh, getting back to my segment then with stay in your lane, pump the brakes. So I'm not saying necessarily pump the brakes on Kyle Kingsbury. I'm saying pump the brakes on the reaction from the media, from the older generations about Kyle Kingsbury. Okay, Ah. Because here's what I gathered today. Rabble, rabble, rabble. The new generation of football players are soft. Rabble, rabble, rabble. The, the kids are soft. They shouldn't be having cell phone breaks. Rabble, rabble, rabble. How do they have cell phone breaks? I thought this was the NFL. I thought this was the most elite. 
Everybody just relax a little bit. I got news for everybody. I've been in four different locker rooms. And on each team, we got breaks during the team meetings. Usually every 30 minutes to 45 minutes, we got a break. During those breaks, we either, you know, go to the bathroom. We we get more sunflower seeds. Maybe get more chew. Get something Nap to drink. Time, or go on your cream. Or go on your cell phones. And go on Twitter. Go on Instagram. Go on Facebook. So these breaks have always been common. The only thing that Kingsbury said, um, you know, which threw people off was they're going to be cell phone breaks. And I think he kind of misspoke there a little bit for the fact that, yes, it's going to be a cell phone break, but it's also going to be a break to just kind of unwind a little bit, get your brain back to neutral, go to the bathroom, maybe talk to your family. So from that perspective... Like, take the whole, oh, it's just about cell phones. No, I mean, yes, there is a priority of NFL players wanting to be on their cell phone, but that meeting or that break is not clearly designed just for that. So everybody, relax. Relax. Relax a little bit. Kingsbury already driving me nuts. He hasn't even coached a game. God, he really is, Brent. Um, Should we just I, go to, that's oh. interesting that you say that. So you're basically saying, but you think they don't do, Bill Belichick doesn't do cell phone breaks. Does he do breaks? Yeah, uh, Every team's going to do breaks because you have to remember, um, especially in training camp in the summertime, I mean, you have to do a lot of hydration just to maintain your weight, just to make sure you're good for practice. And in that case, a lot of hydration means drinking a lot of water, drinking a lot of Pedialyte, drinking a lot of Gatorade. So you have to go to the bathroom all the time. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, so every team I've ever been on has bathroom breaks, whatnot. I mean, usually uh, the breaks can last there from five to ten minutes, but it's just a break to reset and everything like that because those meetings are so long. Do you ever get fined for falling asleep in a meeting? No. Nope. Never, never find a fall asleep in a meeting. No. You ever get fined? Uh, not a, I can think of off the top of my head, honestly. Really? Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, I was, you know. I mean, guys fall asleep in the meetings, right? Well, no, of course, but you have to remember where I came from. I mean, I came from my first year coming from the Joe Cullen School of Hard Knocks. Yeah, okay? yeah. <laughs> so you weren't going to fall asleep in the meeting. Uh, you weren't going to be late to a meeting because you knew the repercussions. Larry! So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so from that perspective, uh, I was I was always sure to kind of follow the rules and whatnot. All right. Uh, yeah. So that was your pump the brakes. Do you yeah. have a cruise control Let's get today? A cruise control then quick. Yeah. So one of the perks of being a collegiate athlete like myself back in the day at Murray State was that we got licensed stuff. So, you know, at Murray State, we got two pairs of cleats every year. I know. Crazy. Uh, we, we also got a new pair of gloves every few weeks. Really roll out the red carpet for Murray State racers. But, uh... Another thing that we always look forward to, and I think every team does in college football, is the fact that you get your team shirts in the offseason. But I'm not sure if you're familiar with the team shirts in the offseason, but every single year, um, you know, teams will have a different kind of shirt, you know, try to get them motivated yeah, for the yeah, upcoming yeah. season. So for, yeah, we got one coming. Yeah, okay, great. So, for, my, for uh, so you know, for my instance, I mean, my favorite shirt that we ever got at Murray State, it said, uh, you know, it said Murray State football in the back. Oh, I'm sorry, in the front. And on the back it said, if you're not the lead horse, the view never changes. Ah, Which, you know, makes right. sense because if you think about it, it's kind of funny. You know, if I was in baseball, the one I remember, I'm sure we had multiple. Hit me with it. Uh, because we thought it was a little questionable in high school, but it, it says, all right, we carry big sticks. Mmm, little, 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 little ballsy on that. I mean, like, yeah, little, little, little edgy. Yeah, a little edgy. I like a little that, edgy though. for high school. A little right? attitude. Yeah. For sure. I like that. I mean,. Kind of ticks me off now that I, I wore my Stone Cold 316 bat out of, uh, I'm sorry, rattlesnake out of hell t-shirt, and I got, like, thrown out of school for that day. Like, <laughs> so, so, so that kind of sucks, but whatever. But getting back to my uh, cruise control here, so Jim Harbaugh uh, is already setting the tempo for spring ball as Michigan got their new team shirts a couple days ago, and uh, they're a reflection of last season, and I think this is absolutely fantastic. Uh, so it's got to have something to do with the Buckeyes oh, or something, yeah. right? So on the front of the shirt, it reads Big Ten East Champs, 
And on the back it says 62 to 39. Obviously, that was a score of the Ohio State game. So props to Harbaugh. You know, I mean, listen, and I get every player, um, every personality gets motivated differently. But from what I've read, a bunch of players hung those shirts up in their locker already. They're kind of ticked off about them. Yeah. But, um, hey, if that's the motivation that's going to take to make you work maybe just a little extra harder, uh, why wouldn't you do it? So props to Jim Harbaugh. I like it. That's great. You know, I, I, I can't remember if anybody did this. I don't think they did. Like, see, I would have liked to see the Jags last year do something like that in their off-season conditioning. Like, everything, every rep had to end in 18 or something, like third oh, and 18. yeah, yeah. I kind of like that stuff. Like, yeah. I like it if it translates into, like, the weight room. Or, you know, I, I believe... I, I, I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. But I do believe, like, in your world, in that locker room, people are like, really? <laughs> you know? Like, Really, do we need that? Do we need like some of it? I think gets portrayed as silly, stupidity, whatever. But then you hear the players echo it when it works. No, when it works, right? I mean, because everybody tries one. Yeah. Like you never hear about the ones when you go four and twelve. True. <laughs> but there's the thing though. But you you never know like what that thing is going to be that pushes that player to the next level. I mean, we had my coach on, and what pushed me to have that NFL mindset, you know, my junior year was the fact that he, I, I framed, literally framed his evaluation of me my sophomore year, yeah. and I put it up in my locker. I mean, every player, it, it takes something different, but if you can find that, uh, it's definitely crucial. It's definitely yeah, valuable. Yeah, man. I mean, that, again, you're talking about a, a sport and a game where there's elite athletes all over the place. You need whatever edge. It's going to set Whatever you apart. might help you. But, you know, and it might be trivial, it might be silly, but whatever might help you. In fact, when we come back, what would it be for the Jags this year? What would you hang in the weight room? Next on ESPN 690. Now, back to Action Sports Jacks with Brent Martineau on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. All right, here's the deal. Your coach, Doug Marone. Yeah. And off-season conditioning is starting. Yeah, it's supposed to be a good homework assignment you could have gave me like a day before, but anyways. I know. I'm kind of sp- trying to be spontaneous here. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, this just came up. And your motivational say, your your Jim Harbaugh 62 to 39 on the back of a T-shirt. Your, what I would say would have been 18 reps every time last year for third and 18. What is it this year? that you put in the weight room, you put around the locker room, um, that gets the players motivated, gets something cemented in their head, puts the chip on the shoulder. Mm, tough one. Like, a lot of times in the rivalry games, I think Florida did it a couple years ago when they, maybe it was they lost to Florida State or Georgia or something. I can't remember the exact situation. But they did kind of a rep thing mm-hmm. where they would, every single time they would do that rep, uh, that reminded him. I think it was Florida. Maybe it was Georgia, actually. Uh, but it was one of the colleges. Do you, uh, actually, I thought of a pretty good idea right now. Do you have one? You gotta, yeah. I'm well, stalling for you. Please, yeah, appreciate it. So it just kind of came to me. Please uh, come with me. Uh, I'm going to try to explain as best as possible. In terms of rivals, who are the Jaguars' biggest rival? I would say Tennessee. Exactly. Now, I don't have the schedule in front of me. They haven't announced exactly when we're playing Tennessee. April. But yeah. here's what I would do. <laughs> and bear with me. This is good. So, I like where you're going with this already. Coach Lane's in the stadium. Here's what I'm going to initiate. I'm going to go to the equipment manager. I'm going to go to the equipment staff. And I'm going to order that because, you know, all the guys have their, their sizes written down, right? So, like, they, they know what size jerseys they wear, what size practice uniforms, everything like that. 
I'm going to go to the equipment guys, and this starts in the offseason, and I'm going to order them to either make the sizes too big or sizes too small. So I'm going to tell them either up the size or down the size, but I want my guys looking a little ridiculous in the weight room, on the practice field, whatnot. And by the time where players start to realize, like, dude, what's up with these sizes, and they come up to me as a coach, I'm going to be like, oh, you you guys don't understand. These are hand-me-downs. Big Brother got the good stuff. Big Brother being the Tennessee Titans. Ah. They have the stuff that fits. We get the hand-me-downs because we're the little brother. What are you guys going to do about it? And there we go. Thoughts? I like I like yeah, it. Not bad. I right? like it. But yeah. now, the only thing, that's like a good... Um, it might be like a, like a good week off, I feel like. Right? Yeah, like a week, week off, off thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, or one-time thing is what exactly. I'm saying, right? Yeah, yeah. So... That's all I got. But, <laughs> but I knew where you were kind of leaning, and yeah. now you've ignited... The, the creative juices yeah. for me. Nice. So to that same kind of uh, idea, you're right. What was the most embarrassing moment of last year? Derrick Henry running for that. Derrick Henry. 90-something so, yard touchdown. What you, would, what you need to do is put 238 yards and four touchdowns somewhere all around yeah. the building. Like, anytime they go see. The, the code to get in is 238. <laughs> but see, now here's my only complaint about that, though. Is that's talking directly to the defense? What is the offense getting out of that? Uh, that's a good point. Stop. I want to do more here. No, I mean, no, hey. but that's good. But I'd also love put, the creativity coming through. But right I'd now. also put, go order fatheads and put a Derrick Henry fathead, <laughs> and I'd actually have Derrick Henry have his own locker <laughs> and one of those stick cardboard cutouts yeah. in the room. Yeah. And uh, all right, then you then you can point to some for the offensive guys. Dallas. Oh, miserable. Yeah. Well, I mean, Kansas City was really miserable because of five turnovers, but I feel like that's associated with Blake so much. True. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are players going to say? Like, I yeah, mean, he's the gone. offense is tough because the quarterback has changed, you know? True. So it's a little bit tough on that. But I think the embarrassment of Thursday night, national TV, even if it was all Derrick Henry and whatever, and maybe make, you can try to switch a little bit to the offense. That, to me, is the one that said, wow, this is embarrassing, yeah. uh, amongst many other moments. Other than that, you could uh, you could have, like, uh, <laughs> you could have Derrick Henry or the Buffalo Bills knocking Leonard Fournette out. Oh, jeez, Brent. Brent, see, I mean, are you trying to inspire, or are you trying to get punched in the face in the locker room as a coach, Brent? What are you trying to accomplish here? No, I do think the Derrick Henry one works. Yeah. No, I like the Derrick Henry one a lot. And, and yeah. because you're right, because in the past couple of years, they've had some miserable, embarrassing performances against the Titans. And and they all believe, too, and I think this is a good subtle message. I, don't, I shouldn't say they all believe. My belief is that that team, the Jaguars look at their defense, right, and the way it can play. And they look, I would say defense more so, but they look at the film that week. And you've done this before. I guarantee you you've done this. And you got you do this as a, as a meeting room, as a team, and you're like, they don't look that good. Like, they're, like we, we're better than them. Like we, are better. we see the tape all week. Mm-hmm. I saw it Monday night. I saw it Tuesday night. I saw it Wednesday. We studied it on Thursday. We're better than them. Mm-hmm. Now, we got to bring, we got to come play because we know we got to come play every night. But we are better than them. And I truly believe because there is nothing special about the Tennessee Titans that people look at them on film and say, we're better than these guys. Like, they're not very good. And then you take that notch down a little bit. You lose a little edge off you because you feel that way. And you go in like, hey, we got this. We got this. We're better than you on paper. We'd beat you nine out of ten times if we played in the middle of the road. Mm -hmm. And you lose your edge. 
they can punch you in the mouth because they're tough. And on the other side, they're saying they don't think you're any good. They don't think you're any good. And you've got that classic, hey, I'm gonna go get. I'm gonna go get this because I want it more. And so I think the Titans kind of symbolize that that little lapse in in uh, hunger that the Jags have had at times over the years. And it usually comes against the Tennessee Titans. And they've got to be able to beat the Titans if you want to win the AFC South. It says it all around the building. Win the South. It shows the the schedule and what they do. Wins and losses. It says grit and toughness and all this stuff in the building at Jags headquarters. Well, to beat Tennessee, you have to have all that. And you better beat Tennessee if you want to go places. They got away with it two years ago, I understand. But this year, if they're going to win the AFC South, if they're going to make the playoffs, if they're going to have a good year, well, they are going to have to beat the Titans at least once, if not twice. And you're talking about the Titans last year where, listen, I'm going to be honest, if I was watching film on the Titans from last year and I saw Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry didn't get going until he played the Jacksonville Jaguars. It was kind of like his coming out party. Absolutely. So, they so talked about trading was, him. Yeah, so if I was, like, scouting Derrick Henry, I'm like, ah, I'm not really worried about this guy. Like, sure, he can lower his shoulder. I mean, he's going to get those extra contact yards. But from a running back perspective, I'm not too worried about it. So I can see a little bit where maybe you – as a professional, maybe you didn't take him too seriously just for the fact that they don't have a lot of household names. Like Corey Davis, at wide receiver, the number one guy. Like Marcus Mariota, who's, you know, he's showed flashes before, but is he really elite? I don't think so. So from that perspective, especially on the D- on Jaguars defense, I wasn't too impressed. But then obviously we saw it happen. Derrick Henry comes out and just puts up a, a hell of a game. Listen, the, the, the Tennessee Titans-Jacksonville Jaguar matchup is so important for a couple reasons. Number one, I feel like the Titans this past year were what the Jaguars wanted to be. They wanted to play great defense and be able to pound the rock. The Jaguars weren't really able to do that. So from that perspective, it's a huge game. And also, listen, there's some games where you play, if you play against you know, Patrick Mahomes, even Andrew Luck now, where sometimes a quarterback just has a really good game and it is what it is. But when you play the Titans... You it's know what you're getting, It's in man. the trenches. Yeah. It's in the trenches. It's football personified. So if you don't win those games, it's a brutal blow because that's where the game is won and lost, literally, is in the trenches. I like this idea. In fact, I might put Derrick Henry all over billboards all across town now. <laughs> if I may, it's that punch down and punch up again. Yeah. Punch down, punch up. I like it. He likes it. Stop the run, run the ball. Yep. You old school sons of guns. <laughs> Get off social media. <laughs> it's time for a social media break. Thanks that to Wendy's Pizza, by the way, for dropping some pie. It's fantastic. Go check them out for dinner tonight. You buy any large or extra large pizza, receive six fresh garlic knots for free. Just tell them Brent or Austin sent you from ESPN 690. Go visit Arena's Pizza tonight. Thanks to Gravedigger, Dennis Anderson, and Jake Ryan, the Jaguars linebacker, for jumping on the show. We'll see you on TV tonight, everybody, and back here tomorrow on ESPN 690. Oh, oh, oh. O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.